Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Beard, 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 beard,
has a beard. Well, there you go. Uh, is this thing on? Is it working? Did I did I press the right buttons appropriately? Did did what's what's going on with the music? How come I didn't fade that out properly? That was because you wanted to hear more of it. Well, that's true. It's a great great fucking song. It is. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Even this song is well before the idea of Beard Talk Live, uh, and uh, possibly the inspiration for it. It's hard to tell, uh, but the song is fucking amazing. Uh, I can't say enough about Psycho Stick and how fucking badass those motherfuckers are. Right. Uh, what are we doing? Oh, Beard Talk Live. Right. Showtime. It is. Here we go. Uh, number 46. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Number 40. I even wrote it down this time. <laughs> I. This was and is probably the most punctual episode of Beard Talk Live to date. It is. I think we might have actually started at 10.30 precisely, or pretty damn close for us anyway. Yeah, we are in serious danger of becoming efficient at our breaks. Yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not go carrying things too far just yet, because, <laughs> you know, one does not make a trend. That's true. Right? So, just because, what else can go right, though? What that's, else can That's what go I'm right. asking. What else can go right? Uh, I think I cussed already. So I feel pretty fucking good about that. Yeah. Um, I I enjoy cussing immensely. It's... Now, do you remember how the preamble goes? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Fuck uh, the FCC. Oh, you were supposed to join me. Oh. Fuck. All right, we got to do it again? Yeah, we do. Ready? Fuck, Fuck the, the FCC. FCC. All right, I feel there better. we go. Uh, okay. Little little rehearsal. What else can go we, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's a baby chick. It's it's still kind of wobbling around. It's still. true. It's true. Uh, I once used to. Uh, I once uh, for some period of time, uh, I was in a band and we rented an abandoned house. Right. So this guy bought some property. It had a, a house, like a single level on it, uh, but there was something wrong with with it, and so uh, he was only using it for the garage portion to like work on his cars and stuff. So he had this like empty living room doing nothing and he was like 100 bucks a month i'll rent this thing to you guys we're like yes and so uh he was a bit of a homesteader he had his own you know chickens and that kind of stuff uh and so at one point he had a shed with the uh, i don't even know what to call it the ring with all the little tiny baby chicks under the the heat lamp mm-hmm. the incubator type right. thing right because they were so baby that like you know you gotta keep them warm or whatever mm-hmm. and so uh we used to joke that like yeah we got tons of hot chicks at our practice pad <laughs> <laughs> little nice. little yellow ones in a, in a little pen. No, hey, not a that's yellow, racist. But, but boy, that's that's what what? <laughs> what what's racist? Oh, do you, do you not know the yellows uh, the the like uh, East Asian thing? But I'm talking about chickens. You're talking about little yellow chicks. <laughs> they were hot. They were. So is that a fetish now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm both racist and fetish fetished. With the, the same thing? Hmm. That's bizarre. Although, this is a bizarre show. If this All is right. your first time tuning in, uh, it is a live call-in show. Yeah. And uh, I'd uh, I'd like to, to start with this. So, uh, there's an old saying, uh, you know, don't pop the champagne yet, but... Goes the weasel. I am popping the champagne. Did, did, did you get married or something? Nope, or? nope. 
we we just got the best news about crypto that the news has ever carried. And I don't mean us. I don't mean the news that people actually listen to. I mean the the corporate propaganda machine. They have never been forced to carry any positive information about cryptocurrency in any way, shape, or form. Uh, okay. And the judge saying that it's not a that it's not a security is the best news we've ever had. I I mean it is pretty good. I don't want to discount it, although I think it's too early to. Well, I mean you already did it, so I guess. It's- hey, when some news beats this, I'll be happy to pop it again. I won't hold my breath. Oh, you mean I can breathe? Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I figured this was going to be lockstep against uh, cryptocurrency every single step of the way. That just absolutely every trudging tiptoe was going to be fought by every single part of the government. What makes you think that, like, next week, it's not going to be like, oh, we changed our mind? Well, they were going to do that anyway. <laughs> Like, seriously, every minus they were probably going to do but anyway. They, but they gave it a try, Peakless. They they tried. They they even said for a minute it wasn't. But then they thought about it again, and they decided that it was. Okay. Okay. I mean, what, like, like I want to be hopeful here as okay. much as the well, next guy. Okay, well, you should ask yourself the question that you ask. What else can go right? Well, that's true. A lot of things can go right. Right? It's true. Right? People just have to. But I seriously, know, I thought. Let them. I thought it was just going to be quicksand all the way down. Like, I thought every single step of this process, they were going to fight as effectively as they could and give absolutely no quarter whatsoever. This is quarter. This is a break. This is a a, a breather. Well, so one thing is true. Cryptocurrency moves way faster than government. Yeah. So the amount of development that has gone on Hasn't really been, I mean, I guess it has been actualized, but it, it really hasn't quite been fully realized, I think, right? Uh, there, there's still more to come because of all the development that's gone on, particularly since the propagandemic, mm-hmm. right? A lot of lot of people had a lot of spare time to do things and, you know, create new features, write more code, mm-hmm. right? Uh, now we also have the benefit of AI to assist code writers, right? So... You can feed your code uh, into an AI, and it'll help you identify uh, where things uh, might be broken mm-hmm. uh, or where you might be able to th- make things more efficient based on other code that resembles yours. Right. Uh, and so because of the open source nature of all of these things, particularly cryptocurrency, not all of them, but you know, particularly mm-hmm. uh, w- within that realm, uh, I think that decentralization is going to win the day. Mm-hmm. I think this... This might be just a, a, you know, a first win, right? But the the war is far from over. Yeah. Well, so honestly, I take that as a basic assumption. Now, how long it's going to take, I don't take as a basic assumption. Like we are moving in the direction of networks rather than hubs. We are moving in the direction as a species of decentralization having more power. Now, whether that's a 20 or a 200 year process is really dependent on what exactly we do with it. But, I mean, it's uh, it's obvious to me at this point. Like, you have distributed too many small technologies hmm. for, like, uh, you've turned the tide. Yeah. I mean, at some point you hit critical mass, yeah. and now the distributed quantity of technology is so overwhelmingly higher yeah. than all of the cumulative 
uh, collected technologies that there's just no reversing that trend. It's a, it's a feedback loop. Once you've, once you've reached that critical mass, then it's going to continue to decentralize itself. Yeah, something I've been thinking about is, um, uh, so cryptocurrency could be described as uh, a marriage of three different technologies, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I think is going to start happening is uh, multiple technologies are going to begin merging with each other in new and fun ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm still hopeful for 3d printing, man. Oh yeah. That thing is just, it hasn't even begun to, it's in the, like, I don't know, the Atari 2600 phase, mm. like of video games, right? I'm talking about an ancient console. Most kids might not even know what an Atari 2600 is. Uh, but you know, basic, right? I, as far as the tech is concerned, right? Uh, when I can 3d print, you know, a new addition on my house, Mm-hmm. Right, which the tech exists for that, but right. when I can do it, you know, inexpensively, right? It's pretty expensive to do this stuff right now. But that tech curve, man, is going to come down as soon as it marries with the right thing, mm -hmm. right? It's going to blow up, right? Uh, it just can't not, right? Just, to, I mean, imagine uh, custom parts, right? You own a, I don't know, an antique from you know whatever, however many years ago, mm -hmm. and there's only one in the world, or at least one that you can afford to travel and see. But there's plenty of pictures, and so. Uh, you toss a picture into an app, and it calculates, and it measures the one that you have, and bam, 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 you print a, print a new one out, and it fixes the thing. Right. You know? That's totally valuable, particularly mm -hmm. in off-grid situations. Oh, yeah. If you can repair all your own shit on site, yeah. oh, my God, man. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, so here's one of the things that it's going to take a minute, but that I'm really looking forward to. So I figure this is going to go the same way that most technologies do, where it just gets more refined and more uh, miniaturized, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, and it, it, given that it's uh, 3D printing, I think that we're going to expand into different materials that we can print with. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So at some point, we are going to have 3D printers for uh, what's called metamaterials. Now, metamaterials are just fucking weird. But it turns out if you build things in these particular ways, then they start having just bizarre physical properties. Uh -huh. Right. One of the one of the ways that we figured this out is you can make a a superconductor using, I mean, relatively cheap metals. Mm -hmm. But you have to like put the nickel in just right, and it's got to be it's got to be this very particular way of making the material. But as soon as you do, then you have a thing that can hover over a magnet. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the, the, the way that technologies are coming together. So even as you refine certain technologies, you will enable the exploration of other technologies. So as you refine the 3D printing, how many technologies is that going to enable that weren't accessible to the ordinary person in any meaningful way? Like right now, there is no way whatsoever that I can get a a, a, a metamaterial made. Hmm. I don't have access to that kind of capital, but it's getting cheaper, just like cell phones right. got cheaper, just like Wait. televisions got cheaper. Yeah. Uh, when I was growing up, I needed to have uh, an, an entire house full of shit, big, 
you know, unportable things that would just sit in the house and just be. Mm-hmm. They are the equivalent of furnishings, but uh, they were called speakers for the stereo <laughs> and the stereo cabinet and the wall mount telephone. Right. That's right. The wall mount telephone. So, yeah, now that I'm done revealing my age. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the marriage of multiple technologies, or at least even industries with current technologies, when it finds the right app, they can do it cheaper and better and faster and like way more and like, you know, no licenses and all that kind of shit, you know, mm-hmm. like that's where it's where it is. Uh, 3D printing of weapons, I think, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It literally frees planet Earth. Yeah. Like we, we won the war on guns. Yeah. We we need to realize that fact. <laughs> I mean, well, it's hard to know, though. Right? Maybe we have, and people are just keeping it quiet. Mm. You know what I mean? There is. I, that. I don't know. Right? How do you tell? How do you measure this kind of a thing? Right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, we know. That. We know the data exists. The data's out there on the internet. It's archived. It's you know where it's in a whole bunch of different places. It's never going to not be there. Right. It's as permanent as it can get. I'm pretty sure somebody put it on a blockchain too. So. <laughs> There it sits, right, forever and ever, at least as long as mankind can decipher such things, right? Right. Um, So that lives in perpetuity, and it will transcend generations. Right. Right. Well, and the thing is, so if you look at Bitcoin, the, the technologies that it put together had been just sort of lying around, I mean, in, in programming terms for a very long time. The, the parts of it were just hanging out there, but no one had ever put them together this way. Right. They and, accidentally all fell into a toolbox. Somebody went, hey. Right. And and the problems that this solved, like none of the the, the encryption community was, was happy with this at all. Yeah. They were, they're like, no, this leaves this unsolved. And yeah, kind of, it, it good enough solved it. But, I mean, when you're dealing with programming, I mean, you may as well aim for mathematical perfection all of the time because a lot of mathematical perfections can be done with coding. But in this case, no, this wasn't a a mathematically perfect way of solving all of these simultaneously. It left them imperfectly solved, but good enough. But it solved them all at the same time. Mm. And because it was able to solve enough problems well enough at the same time then you had this explosion of technology and i mean like uh you know ethereum isn't even the the same kind of a protocol it's just <laughs> right yeah, it's yeah. just inspired yeah. by by what got made yeah. from combining those elements in that way yeah and that's why i also consider cryptocurrency to some extent to to be an art right because somebody can look at one and get inspired by it and go and create their own Right. Right. Now, you might not consider that art, but I, I've, I've seen developers, I've seen code. I, I don't write it. I don't perform it myself, but what they do is uh, very wizardly, mm. you know, uh, on par with magic, you know, uh, at least, uh, you know, to a layman. So it's, uh, it's a mystical art then? Uh, I mean, to say that these guys are not creative would be a fucking disservice to these guys. Yeah. You know, some of the most creative motherfuckers, it's just that they're also mathy. Right. Right. And I lack the mathy component, Uh, but they have it and they're artists and they should be respected as such. Yeah. We don't tend to think of it, but there really is something magical about math. So, I I mean, if you think about it, like numbers don't exist. Like there are things (laughs) 
that you apply the numbers yeah. to yeah. math that, is a construct right that you you have you've taken this category of tunis and said okay well those are cups yeah and there's a tunis of this group of cups but there is no two there's cups and even that's kind of a construct in the first place yeah and yet it works because if you have two and two, then you really do have something that it's reasonable to apply four to. You have four. Right. So you have something that is fundamentally abstract, but that you can use to manipulate what is real mm. in ways that you couldn't have imagined without it. Or even just like recognize, like once you, once you get the concept that this particular grouping of these items equals four. Right. Right. You begin to recognize other groupings of four. Right. You know, uh, a four-leafed clover, for example. Right. You know, once it's kind of like you purchase yourself a, a new-to-you used car, mm -hmm. and it's a type of car you've never owned before. And you get behind the wheel, you start driving around. First couple of weeks, you're, driving, you're like, I have never seen so many of this specific type of car before <laughs> until I bought one. Right. It's yeah. like you, you notice the thing you've observed. Right. Right, and so well, if, you notice the thing that changed. Right, and so now you notice it more because now it's you know it it permanently alters your perspective. And right. I I have said, and you you know that I'm more agnostic than anything else. I have said that uh, I am surprised that a whole bunch of uh, modern religions aren't claiming Bitcoin to be a miracle. Right, like I. Could there be anything else more qualified from uh, the perspective of like dogmatic religions? Well, like like what other set of circumstances would have to come forth, right, for you to consider it a miracle? Well, right? and and does Bitcoin, does cryptocurrency qualify as a miracle in the eyes of I don't know the Pope or something, the Catholic Church perhaps? I I don't know. Well, there are. They're a big fan of uh, posthumous sainthood. So, yeah. Saint Satoshi so, is, is in the future, you say? Well, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's the thing. They, they Later on, they say, oh, that was a miracle. Like, while it's happening, they don't announce to everyone, hey, there's a miracle, because that would be too risky. What if it's a hoax? We have to, uh, we have to do this thing, but we'll do more talking about stuff, of course. Uh, let's, let's do this thing. Uh, I think this is Phoenix. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, sir. Can you hear me? I can. You are on Beard Talk Live. Uh, normally, I would Good say evening, something. Gentlemen. Normally, I would say something like, "Gentlemen, Beard, where Beard Talk Live? Who the fuck is this?" But I've already introduced you, so now I'm just doing it posthumously. Well, that's okay. I well, mean, whoever, whoever the fuck this is is going to be interesting. I hope. Oh, I wanted to call in nice. on this weird ass line because I figured. If you could do this one, maybe you could do Rayo on the regular call-in line. Oh. Now, did you spend any time studying with no, Mr. Ian on I, how to do the doubles? Nah. I, I didn't do my fucking anarchist. homework, man. Yeah, I'm an amateur. <laughs> Can you conference him into your phone? Um, I don't know. I'm calling in on this on-sip thing. Uh, I could probably. Wait, yeah, maybe. Usually VoIP phones have a conference ability. Uh, it's usually baked into the interface somehow. I don't know uh, your specific interface, of course. I wonder, if you get arrested and they finally give you your one phone call, can you insist on VoIP? Oh. I hope so. That's a good question. 
I don't know if you can or not. I mean, oh, I got a better idea. I'll call in again. All right. We'll talk to you sometime later. Meanwhile, <laughs> Beard Talk Live, who the fuck is this? Who the fuck is this? This is the uh, Corporal of Clarity, the Sergeant of Sandy. This is Major fucking pain. Hey, Major fucking Jesus. pain. Your your signal is definitely coming in with a Corporal of Clarity. And and also, that was almost the equivalent of like a WWE intro. It was. You know? Uh, your, yeah. your, your intro has now, I believe, exceeded that of Ricky <laughs> from the Commonwealth. Well, I will never exceed your abundant titles. No. That's true. It, no one will exceed, will, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't even say it most of the fucking time, so. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I got I to gotta laugh when you stutter on it sometimes. It's kind of funny. Mm. Anyway, I always save some good shit for you. You know that, right? So I got two current event blips. And then I got one historical blip that you're going to love. And this is Let's start with the best one. Today. Best foot forward. What, I'm, I'm, I'm going to save the best one for last. Well, tell you what, what if I hang up on you? History of where the middle finger came from. I'm, the fuck you. It, yeah. Uh, okay. So the first one I'm going to talk about, and this is going to affect the health of probably at least a third of Americans. You know, aspartame. Uh, yeah, I think it's aspartame, aspartame. The, aspartame. The, the artificial sweetener that they put in all the damn... I'm aware of it, yes. Some people pronounce it a par- aspartame, which sounds weird to me. Yeah. So anyway, um, the uh, World Health... Horse, Health the World Horse Organization, yeah. World, World Horse Organization? organization. They couldn't World say anything. They sound like a stand-up bunch of fellas. No, they, they couldn't say anything. World they Health were. Organization, yeah, no, they're nightmarish monsters. What do they have to say? They have declared that aspartame is a carcinogen. I believe they declared it's a carcinogen, yeah, but no they, they are acknowledging that it causes cancer. Huh. Now, the CDC, the bastards that we're supposed to trust, have said, oh, no, no, it's okay if only consumed in small quantities. Well, I, the, the recommendation well, the previous to the small quantities was a person of 150 pounds. Could drink fifteen fucking diet cokes a day, and not be affected by this. Yeah, that's diet. excessive. You no, know, I got a buddy of mine that's a, a healer. I mean, he's weighing all this health food shit, and he just saved a woman that had been drinking this diet crap her whole life. Yep. And he said, "Do you ever drink any more of that shit? You're gonna die." And I don't think he was fucking lying to her. I doubt it. Yeah, it's amazing how like you can walk into any fucking grocery store in the United States of America. And like most of that shit will kill you. Like, yeah, it's fucking I, I crazy, man. More, I remember making more than one joke when I went over to my buddy's house, you know, who's all into this health food shit. And I'm like, I, I got something to offer him. And I says, well, you know, this is the best shit money could buy. Because you can't buy what the fuck you want. Right. Because they don't make it. You got to grow it yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, to some extent, you can still barter locally and all that kind of stuff. At least you can here in New Hampshire, and I'm sure other. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but it's, I mean, organic fields have to be, you know, tested and clarified and whatnot. Because that Roundup has a fucking 20-year half-life. If you spray a gallon of that shit on your fucking fields, 10 years later, a half a gallon of it's still there. 
Yep. And this is all fucking Monsanto and all that bullshit. But I don't want to dwell on this shit. For well, the I mean, since you bring it up, I mean, it's worth uh, throwing out there that uh, so I, I might actually have no problem with wheat and have a huge problem with Roundup. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because what they do is they will dry out the wheat with the Roundup. Like they don't just spray it on there to kill the things that will keep the plant from the plant from growing. They just pour it on there, and it turns out that the gluten just sucks it right up completely and holds it. And there's no way of getting it back out of the gluten. Yeah, I I feel like I'm older than gluten intolerance. I feel like that wasn't a thing until some point in my life. All of a sudden, it was a thing, and I don't remember when exactly. And I never questioned it before now, but it's just interesting that I think that that wasn't a thing. Like, maybe people just had it and just dealt with it or never said anything. I don't know. Like, but it became a thing at some point in my life. Yeah, and I think it's because they started desiccating wheat with Roundup. Well, all the shit that can grow in Roundup infested soil is these genetically modified seeds from Monsanto. Right. It has to have the instructions to be able to grow. Many stories about farmers getting their fields stolen because a fucking grain flew off a passing stock car. Yeah, I remember that. And they ended up with a Monsanto sample in their fucking field. Oh, shit, man. They'll crop dust them. They will crop dust fields with their, their copywritten DNA. And then they will sue those farmers right. for using their DNA because they own it. Right. And that's just a you know a, an illustration of the unfair advantage that the state gives to corporations. Right. Because the state then, in fact, acts as the enforcement arm for these corporations because they have all of the guns, and they the these corporations could lobby for laws that favor them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are are terrified of a world without government for the express purpose of reigning in the corporations. They're like, no, these corporations are way too large, they are way too powerful, and if we didn't have the government to protect us from them, even if they do a terrible job (laughs) at it, and even if they do all these other terrible things, at least there's someone except the market would yeah. never allow a corporation to get that large right. whereas any any scheme that includes a tax is going to incentivize a larger and larger corporation because all of the things that you were outsourcing you had to pay the tax on every every time you got something printed or delivered or whatever it is that your company needed if that was outside the company you had to pay the tax and that adds up but if you just okay well we'll get a loan buy that company that we're paying for the service and make it part of our company mm. then they profit from doing that by paying less tax yeah. so it always oh, incentivizes yeah. growing when in a in a free market there'd be a cap on that where the market says any further than this and you just become too slow to change yeah and, there, there, there there's a definite uh, difference between consolidation and uh, uh monopoly mm-hmm. but Anyway, the, the the second new wave uh, fear that they're you're trying to use did you did you know that the white-tailed deer are now infected with the COVID virus? Hmm. This is the latest claim. I, that's really weird that you say that because I was just wondering myself, like, what happened to to the virus itself? Right, all of a sudden it's it's just gone. Was it when there's supposed to be like 10 million variants of it? What happened to all that? Where where did it go? Well, supposedly there was 10 million variants by the time we pretty much figured out that it was fucking happening to us. 
They just, it just came to light that I don't remember if you were, if you were on air when I called on all this shit in, but there is a uh, a military um, Olympics that takes place, and this took place just about twenty thirty miles from Wuhan the year all this shit busted loose. Right, and uh, anyway, all all of these the the Green Beret, all of the hierarchy of all the military from all over the world are here competing. So we're going to infect the healthiest motherfuckers in the world with this shit and send them back to their home country. That's where this all started. And I, I don't want to get into all the depth of it because it just fucking fogs my mind that all these people are buying into this bullshit. But anyway, with the white-tailed deer thing, it's just... They're <laughs> nice trying segue. To scare the, they're trying to scare the fucking public that are actually want to go out and harvest and live in nature and maybe get some vitamin D and some sunshine. Yeah. They're trying, I, I got to go deer hunting with a blue mask on now because the deer <laughs> are breathing fibers, fucking vapors. Oh, God. You got to stay 10 feet away from deer at all times. All right. Well, if, if you get within 10 feet of a deer, you are a better hunter than I, I'll tell you that. <laughs> the deer will be walking around with like plexiglass. Right. There's only one place I know of where I can get within 10 foot of a deer. There was a subdivision. Well, it's not a subdivision. It's a Lost Lake Woods is what it's called. It's a great big, you know, fucking 30 mile, three lakes, all kinds of cabins built in. But the deer are so tame that I guarantee you I could put an apple on the end of my arrow and walk around and get one of them to take a bite of it and shoot him right down his damn throat. Hmm. That's how docile and tame they are there. Wow. It's, it's like yeah. a park. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the only place I know if I can get within 10 feet of deer. If you're out hunting in the wild, you're you're damn lucky, especially in timber. It's hard to get a good shot within 30 yards. Oh, yeah. Really hard. Mm-hmm. And all it takes with an arrow is a twig to deflect your shot, you right. know? Right. And I've seen deer duck and jump arrows. If they can hear the twang of the string or, right. or maybe the hits of the arrow, I don't know. Mm. They got excellent ass ears. Well, oh the arrow, God. Look at the size of them, man. Well, the, the arrow also makes sound as it travels towards them. Right. That's what right. I'm saying, the hits of the arrow or the twang of the string. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and look at the size of those ears. And they can move them 360 degrees. That's kind of creepy. Oh, yeah, right. they're telescopic. Like, yeah, they, they, they have the, yeah, the, they are designed to be able to find predators. I mean, that's why their eyes on the, are on the side of their heads instead of the front. Like, these yeah. well, are, they are amazing, and, and man, good. can they move. Yeah. Their, their eyes aren't all that good, and I am guaranteeing you that they are colorblind. Mm. My old man one time was standing. There was a power line running in front of him, okay? And he's standing in the tree line between a couple of cedars, and they're probably spread... 12 foot apart and the branches have been pruned. So he's this big ass orange thing mm-hmm. standing between two trees. Well, you right? know why, you know why they use that color of orange, don't you? Is specifically okay, because, yeah, it's specifically because uh, the animals can't see it. Right. So humans have, have huge ability to, uh, to see red. Like, not only do yeah. we see it, but it like immediately draws our attention. Right. Uh, because, you know, blood. Blood is always important. 
So well, uh, red attract red attracts danger in nature. Look at butterflies right. and all that. I mean, right. Every damn poisonous thing in the world is either orange or red or yellow. Right. Where most animals don't have the ability to see red at all. Like that's why uh, if you have a red dog ball, uh, you're you're wasting your time. Like they can see yellows well, and they can the see blues, but like was inducted because back in the day we all had black and wool, black red and black wolves, right? But after it gets dark, that red turns to black. Right. And so hunters were getting shot, and that's why I think they, they – I mean, here in Michigan, all I got to do is, like, wear an orange hat or a big red or uh, X. Oh, I mean, come back. on. Let's be honest, Major. Blaze orange is basically Michigan state color, right? <laughs> it really is. Well, uh, okay, but <laughs> I, I still got all my black and red wolves. I'll put on my red, my orange hat and go hunting and fuck the DNR. Oh, you're black and red checkered? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I'm old school, man. That shit. Yeah, but don't you just put the orange well, I mean, vest I'm, over I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that they revoke your citizenship in Michigan if you don't have at least one shirt that color, don't they? <laughs> what? Flannel? Red and black? Uh, yeah, red and black yeah. flannel. Yeah. Well, hell, anybody that's ever swung an axe has got one of those. <laughs> Man, you got me thinking am about I flannels. Am I correct? Uh, I, I, I think wrong. I'm correct. I, I, I believe wrong. you right, are so correct. The uh, the history of where did the fuck you finger come from? Right. I just oh, learned. I, I know this one actually. Yeah. All right. Well, you I can you can QA this one. But let's see how Major does. Go ahead, yep. Major. Okay, so um, back in the history of England, the, the English and the French have been fighting wars for fucking eons, right? Oh yeah! So, oh yeah! Uh, way back in like the thirteen hundreds, it was the standard of an English youth. By the time you were fourteen, you had to be able to pull back a longbow. Mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, so that was, uh, was that was England's like so, biggest okay. advantage in Europe uh, was that the the royalty were publicly seen uh, using arrows. So instead of the arrow being some, you know, crappy weapon that only the cheap people would ever learn, it became associated with being high class. So they got really, really good at it because every kid in England wanted to know how to use a bow and arrow, whereas anywhere else, none of them would touch them unless they were poor. Hmm. But yeah, go well, on. Well, I mean... So yeah, in England, it was, it was 100% that. Everyone knew how to use a bow. All right, go on oh, with the yeah, story, you Major. Had to, you had to have it to harvest your meat, and as you just um, reiterated, the, the royalty made it a thing. But uh, right, come on, anyway, get to the part where I'm flipping off the royalty. Come on, I'm trying to get there. So uh, uh, when the French and the English were at war, most of these bowmen that they would capture were young. Well, they wouldn't kill them; they just cut off their two bow fingers, right? Your first two fingers on your right hand. Mm -hmm. And so it got to be a thing. You know how they line up on these great plains and battlefields with the hills all around and the archers up on the ridges? Well, the archers got to the point where they hold up two fingers. Say, hey, motherfucker, you didn't get me. I'm going to kill you, right? Yep. And, and this ended up going back to uh, going all the way to Churchill. But I'll, I'll, I'll digress on that for a minute. We'll get to that. So anyway. Um, 
the uh, God, I'm trying to remember this rule. The middle finger. So, so that is accurate, but uh, you haven't connected it to the middle finger. But uh... no, no, no. Well, that comes to America, where we we despised everything of fucking royalty. We turned it to the middle finger. Mm. Okay, well, now Churchill. I, you remember I don't know that you or I had anything to do with it, but like, yeah, sure. You remember during World War II, Churchill put up the, the V for victory? Mm-hmm. But he put it up. If you put up a peace sign, you put it up with your thumb showing, right? Mm. And the hippies digress this again after this. So this has been transposed three fucking times, near as I can recollect. So, yeah, it turned from peace or war, which is the two rabbit ears that the archers were showing. Which was the you back of your hand. Yeah, it's the, the backwards way. V, not the forward V. Right. Churchill twisted it around, and uh, when asked, being the clever politician that he was, he says, no. Because the, the, the interviewer probably knew about the old fuck you with the, the, the old V, right? So he asked him, he says, why do you do that? He says, well, that's a V for victory. Like I hmm. said, he was a clever politician. Would you but Would you like the, to hear uh, a Would you like to hear a crackpot theory on that one? Go ahead. All right. Uh, put your tinfoil hat on, please. All right. All right. I got my oh, calendar. All right. Tinfoil hat engaged. All right. No, I got so, a calendar. I'm so here was the thing. So you had Hitler, and he was using a crap ton of magic, but he was using a fire and order magic. So that's where the swastika came from, was a form of no, fire. Hold on, hold on. Stolen. I'm not done with my crackpot theory. And. So Alistair Crowley go- comes along, and he actually taught Churchill how to do the typhonic signal with his hand so that he could counter the order fire of Hitler with the chaos water of Typhon. And that's where it comes from. No, that All is right. correct, theory. I is. got a tattoo on my arm. Really but I did hear it once. Okay, well, I, I don't doubt that because there are You have it tattooed on your arm, Major? I have, I have, I got this when I was like 15, 16 years old. It was supposed to be a Maltese cross. You know what that is? Uh, no. It was the, the, the cross that was on the side of the Red Baron's plane. Oh, I do right, know what yeah. that is, yeah. I was thinking of Maltese okay. Falcon. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the equal-armed cross or uh, Iron yeah. Cross. The, the Iron Cross, that's what they call it is the German metal badge or honor or whatever. But um, anyway, so I'm 16, and this girl says she knows what this is. So I just tense up my muscle. And this is one of them old pencil with a needle in it and a little thread wrapped around it, fucking ink deals, right? So she starts tap, 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 tapping, and I'm just trying to keep my fucking muscle tense and ignore the pain. And I look down about halfway through it, and she's got half a swastika on my fucking arm. And, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what to do. I just let her finish the son of a bitch but it turns out <laughs> that the fins on a swastika go from left to right and all of their in, 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 in uh, the Apaches I think the Aztecs maybe the Incas even hey, Major, the swastika I, with the fins going the opposite direction was a peace sign Yeah, I, I, so have, a, uh, I have an idea too. for you I have an idea. You, you know, all the Hollywood people are like going on strike or whatever. The the Afra, the the guild, whatever the fucking the douchebag actors. 
whatever. I don't, I don't know they're striking against. Okay, so that means that there's going to be room real soon for content that was just created. And I think the accidental racist would be like starring Major Payne, right? You could star in it. You could write it. You could tell your story about how you almost accidentally got a swastika tattoo. <laughs> I've had more motherfuckers give me dirty looks with it, you know, just, and it ain't big. I mean, you know. Why did you get low. an iron cross on your arm? I got a short sleeve shirt on, it's a little bit low, and it will fucking Major, hang out, you know. Why in the world did you get an iron cross tattooed on you? I didn't know. Fuck, I'm 16. <laughs> We're stupid. He was like, oh, the other cross, uh, man, it's cool. Demi's got one, right? right. You know? Yeah. I've seen it on I Hogan's Heroes, man. It's badass. Yeah. Bikers wear them. Right, yeah. Well, I love God and crosses were cool. I'm just trying to hop on one up this shit. <laughs> hey, Major, thanks for the call, man. We appreciate you. Let's uh, Let's go over here. Beard Talk Live, who the fuck is this? This is Rusty from Portland. Hey, Rusty. You're on the Uncensored After Show Beard Talk Live. I assume you know that, but just in case you're not, uh, when I've greeted you with cussing, that should be your first clue. You are free to cuss. We have no FCC because fuck, fuck the, the FCC. FCC. It's on your mind. Right. So, uh, Peakless, was it you that was talking about uh, your Alexa last weekend? I sincerely doubt it, except as a joke. I, I don't oh, okay. have an Alexa. Uh, no, you're thinking of our... I don't like talking to my machines uh, except for my car. Yeah, you're thinking of our... as far as I know, it's it's not programmed to understand human speech. So not on this show, not on Beard Talk Live, but on Free Talk Live on Sunday nights, you're probably thinking of Richie Rich. Yes, yes. Uh, I had a, I had a bone to pick with, with Richie Rich. Man, I always have, have a bone to fucking call in tomorrow during Free Talk Live Actually, no, he's got the, the day off. We have uh, Steve Classic in tomorrow playing the part of Richie did you, Rich. Did you all hear about when the uh, the Microsoft employee got locked out of his smart home system for a week because Amazon thought he <laughs> yeah. was a racist? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and what's wild? Okay, so this one's great. What could possibly go wrong? I mean... <laughs> So this one's great. So they, they have a, uh, a security feature, right? So that if you're not there, that it automatically, if someone approaches your door, yeah. it will automatically through your little uh, camera and speaker system yeah. say, can I help you? Okay, you know, to, to deter anyone who might be, like, trying to, you know, snoop on your house. It's like or, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he rigs up the mannequin, and then he's got a little uh, string tied to the thing at the back of the door that plits play on the cassette player and makes noise and all that. Yeah, it's kind of like that, except, you know, modern. Right. So they had a uh, an, an Amazon uh, delivery worker uh, who was black, which is very important to this story because he was quite offended <laughs> When the, when he was, uh, as, you know, he as one might assume, someone thought he was some kind of burglar when he, you know, guy's wearing the uniform, delivering a package. What kind of an asshole thinks I'm going to burglarize him? What can Brown do for you? <laughs> well, I think he misheard. So, so he misheard he... the thing and said, thought it said the N-word. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they actually are both black. The guy who got locked out for being a racist is also black. 
Well, hold on. So you didn't let me get to that part yet. So the Amazon driver, and this might be these might be two different occurrences, uh, but the Amazon driver reports that he has been, uh, you know, uh, that racism has been done against him to his employer, Amazon, who, of course, is running the guy's smart house. So when he comes home to try and, like, you know, get in and do things, it says, no, you are not allowed into this system because of your racism. <laughs> wow. I was just thinking there needs to be somebody uh, in the world whose uh, first name is R-A-Y and last name is C-Y-S-T. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Can you imagine introducing yourself? That seems like hey, an and, awful last name. Hey, and, anyway. and this is Bob Smith, and this is Jim Green. Who are you? I'm racist. Like, if that was your name, that'd be one of the most unfortunate fucking names. Your parents had to have hated you if that's what they named you. No, man. Do you want Wait. to be Mr. Sist anyway? What about Mrs. Sist? Mrs. Sist? Well, it's like all the women that are. That are, are you named Mrs. Karen racist? Now. Like, they're, they're cursed for eternity because their name's Karen. If they're a white woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know. I, I actually met a Karen not too long ago and she's like, I'm Karen. I'm like, Oh, that's an unfortunate name. She's like, yep, sure is. <laughs> like <laughs> I was just like, I felt so bad, but I didn't want to like rub it in either. Right. Right. Cause I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that to her based on her reaction. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it it kind of goes to show you that maybe you shouldn't put someone else in charge of all your stuff. And right. I know we're used to that with the government and all, but maybe don't add extra levels of putting Amazon in charge of your house locks and lights and oven for some reason and refrigerator <laughs> so that it can spy on you. And oven for some reason. <laughs> I mean, well, the, honestly, I've never facts. been like... At work or on my way home and going, you know, I really wish I had access to my oven right now. I know yeah, there's the people that feel that way. I've worth, just never been one. That little tiny bit of convenience is not worth the giving up your privacy completely. I mean... And <laughs> the problem I had with what Richie Rich said the other day, he was like, well, I already have a smartphone, so I don't care that I have an Alexa because I already have a smartphone. That's true. And it's... But it's not that hard to to mitigate your smartphone listening to you. Like that can be done with a few hours of effort. Like it, the attitude I hear from a lot of people is like, "Well, they've already got so much data on me. They've already been collecting data on me. So why why should I care? Why should I give a shit about privacy?" And it's just like they don't care because. Well, but because you'll you'll continue to get le here's the answer never is too late. the answer is people will continue to get less and less of it if they don't stop continuing to lose it. Right. 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 Well, it's it's the same argument as well. I've been a slave all my life. No sense in being free now. <laughs> uh, in a twist of irony, I had show prep uh, that talks about. We still don't know the full extent of the government's warrantless electronic spying program. We sure as shit don't. Uh, the big takeaway here is uh, <laughs> the question is, how much data does government collect on you? And government itself says it's impossible to quantify. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, I've contended, and so have many other people, uh, and in fact, I, I've only been regurgitating what other people have contended because they did the math on it, but um, uh, when it comes to collecting uh, data, uh, you know, the government disguises it uh, with like, oh, it's your safety, and oh, it's only outgoing transit. No, they've been spying on you You have nothing to hide if you did nothing yeah. wrong. If you if you don't, uh, you know, sort of try to put a sock in it and have yourself a little bit of privacy, I think there's something wrong with you fundamentally as an individual. I think privacy is a fundamental need of a human being. There are times when you just need to go be by yourself for a minute, you know, or an extended period of time for that matter, right? And recharge, you know, some people like to go hiking by themselves, all that kind of thing. I think it is natural. A lot of meditation generally occurs alone, right? There are, there are times when the human being needs Complete privacy, isolation from like everybody else, just for a little while, a little break from all the humanity. And wasn't wasn't there that survey that came out recently that said like a decent percentage of people under the age of thirty would be totally okay with the government having a camera inside their home? Yeah, how fucking sad is that? It's ridiculous. And I was wondering, like, okay, say our smartphones were listening to us all the time. Like how much data would that be? And would the government even have the ability to store that much data uh, if they were recording? They, they, they the do. They are. And they do. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so vast that they can't tell you how much they've collected. Yeah, That's uh, how vast it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you know any of the information about like the NSA uh, uh, storage in Utah uh, or was it Nevada? One of those desert states. And the well, the state was pissed off center. at them. Yeah, these enormous the Utah, data yeah. centers that, uh, that use this absolutely jaw-dropping amount of water to cool everything down. And there was a, a plot at one point to say, hey, since we didn't want this data center in our state anyway, we're just not going to give you the water to cool it. <laughs> Uh, as you might imagine, the people that were suggesting this were promptly removed from office. Yeah, I'm sure they yeah, were. That's, that's kind of what happens when you threaten the NSA. We do know how often it happens. Uh, this is all from reason, by the way. Uh, thanks to an annual report published by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, ODNI. That's a new one I've heard of. Odney. Mm. Odney. In 2021, for example, the FBI used its FISA powers to run more than... 3.3 million queries through the Section 702 database. That's what's, just in one year. Uh, what's the Section yeah, 702 database? The, that's the FISA uh, where they collect all of the data from ah. the cell phones and the communications, your emails, your, uh, your cell phone communications, your texts, uh, th even shit from like the Ring Doorbell Network, fucking right. all that shit right. uh, falls under that type of a thing. Uh, Section 702 is specifically FISA-related. Uh, I'm trying to remember what FISA fucking stands for. It's dumb. Anyway, um, it's permission to snoop. Yeah, and like they're like, oh, well, we'll never use it for that. And then that's exactly what they're fucking using it for, <laughs> right? Like when everybody's like, no, we have a danger of this happening when FISA was going into into action. And uh, like they're like, nah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We won't use it to spy on you. Right. And then they immediately began using it to spy on you. Yeah.
Now, now so, going back to the uh, well, yeah. The hold, dude. hold on, hold on. So, so uh, there's two questions there with different answers. So the first question is, uh, how much of that data do they hold on to? Now, the answer to that is absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. Now, the other question is going through it. Now, that's a different problem. Now, the vast majority of going through it is done by programs, and a very tiny amount of it is done by human beings. But as AI develops, so does their ability to go through that data and comb through it for meaningful uh, patterns. Mm -hmm. And basically, it really just comes down to how badly do they want you? Yeah. I mean, the, the question of, like, why should I bother? Okay, it is the exact same reason that camouflage exists in nature. Because, sure, you aren't being eaten right now. Mm -hmm. However, there are predators. Yeah. And the more visible you are, the more likely you are to be targeted. Right. So the less visibility you have, which is the less data that is just flowing out of you to every direction, the less likely it is for you to be targeted for what the fuck ever. Yeah. If anything, and you don't know what's going to be illegal in ten years. Like right. you, right. they're going to they want to save well, everything now. You don't know what's illegal now. Over later, yeah. They're like he's been doing this for over a decade. Well, right, but you just rewrote the law yesterday. Yeah, well, and, and <laughs> even then, you don't know what's illegal now. Three felonies right. a day, man. Yeah. Who the hell? We yeah. don't know how many laws there are. Right. If we don't know how many there are, how is it even possible to know whether you're breaking one? Okay, so in theory, at any given time, for some unknown purpose, you could be breaking something you didn't know about. And if there's a permanent record of that, then that's a weakness. That's a vulnerability that they can use to destroy you. That's why. That's why you keep things private. Now, speaking of keeping things private, like one of the, the Microsoft employee who got locked out of his smart home system he did a medium post about it, and one of the reasons that he wasn't completely screwed is because he had about like half of his shit self-hosted. He had like the Amazon shit, no, was and the then same he guy had, then. also yeah. had his own shit. He should have had all of it self-hosted. Yeah, you would no. think he That's would know the lesson. that. But that is the right. lesson. But yeah, I mean, if the Microsoft employee is not like willing and able to self-host all his shit, yeah. then what chance do the rest of us have? Right, yeah. I mean, like, you are a tech guy at a rival company. So you'd think, but no. So what chance do we have on that? So don't make a smart house. Right. Pretty simple, really. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, mean, like, it's, it's I can see, I can see, like... It's it, really not. I can see like industrial applications, right? Mm -hmm. You've got like a manufacturing facility, you know, you want the lights to like auto off when there's no one around, right? right? Like why illuminate an area if there's no purpose for the illumination, right? Mm -hmm. uh, these things make sense in an industrial capacity, but in your home, dude? Right. Like, And in, in an industrial capacity, you will probably have the resources to self-host. Yeah. To yeah. get some techie in there to say, you right. know what, uh, if something goes wrong, either at the at the Amazon place or with my account with Amazon, I would not like to twist in the wind. Yeah. So yeah, I do want the lights to shut off, but I'm not gonna have Amazon do it for me. 
I'm going to do it automatically through this program. Yeah. Well, and all right, y'all. Well, have a good night. Hey, thanks for the call. The thing I six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Go ahead. The the thing that I worry about with people is, I mean, fortunately, so far the body is just not a big fan of it. But when people start implanting things that are that have the same uh, vulnerability as these smart houses, like I'm sorry, your arm's been temporarily shut off. Because you did not meet our community standards. Yeah. I'm sorry, you will no longer be able to access those memories. Because you are breaking community standards. It's Your Neuralink will be reestablished in 6 to 12 months. Here, here's a thought for you. Uh, in a free market, <laughs> in a future free market, would, mm. this, would this happen? Uh, I have a uh, an idea in my head. Call it a you know I don't know a script. A, you know a movie. Imagine imagine a Hollywood movie where uh, uh, an AI uh, figures out how to you know acquire wealth, whether it's cryptocurrency or actual you know physical goods, whatever. Somehow this AI uh, acquires a, a massive amount of wealth and offers to give it all to you if you would allow it to live inside of your body and like, you know, operate your body from time to time, maybe half of the time or so, or perhaps just exist, right? Would you accept the money? Would you allow an artificial intelligence to co-host your body? (laughs) Well, for me, yeah. Fuck no. Is there a sum of money, though, that would make no. that worthwhile to you? No. What if you knew you were going to die in like five years? Again, no. no. Okay. No, I mean, it's signing over responsibility. Uh, I mean, it is voluntary. Right. Yeah. You you can sign over your responsibility voluntarily. Yeah. In just the same way as you can voluntarily step into a boxing match and sign over your sure. right to bodily integrity. Yeah, or ride like a mechanical bull where you sign the waiver or whatever. Right, right. Uh, not for me. No thanks. No, I, I... Yeah, the idea of, like, essentially me doing God only knows what... So let's let's take is, the uh, is just an, it, like there's no price I can put on that. Let's take the people who are fans of uh, like Alexa and what's the other one? Uh, uh, not not okay, Google. I call that bitch Karen. Uh, uh, no, the Google Maps bitch I call Karen. Ah, uh, okay. I get to cuss at her a bunch too because it's a slightly different voice than the the rest of Google. At least it, it was for a minute. Um, technology exists in such a capacity that it would totally be possible for an AI, for Alexa, if you will, to be implanted in your head. Mm. Right? Oh, so I think the one you were looking for is uh, ChatGPT. I'm I'm just saying that, like, we're right around the corner for some really bizarre shit happening, right, mm. because of, of the way technology is progressing, right? Yeah. Uh, Charlie Brooker of Black Mirror was was onto something. There, you know, humanity has a very dark side. Right, humanity has been brutal forever, 
right? Uh, you know, I've I've maintained that breeding and conquering are the two primary motivations of human beings. That's what they seem to do. They seem to breed and conquer. Now, they do a whole bunch of other stuff, too. I'm not discounting all the other stuff. But if you look at the species as a whole over history, uh, those are the first two things that jump out at me. Oh, wow, they're really good at breeding and conquering. Well, we're not that good at breeding. <laughs> well, okay, but you do it frequently enough. I say I mean, that like I'm not a human. On the... on the, uh, <laughs> I'm not human. That's right. Well, no, I mean... I confess it here on Beard Talk Live. On the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lizard person, eyes floating this way. No, I'm not. Uh, so uh, in terms of on the scale of breeding, yeah. nah, humans suck at it, dude. But we're like cockroaches, dude. We're everywhere, man. That is that is in spite of our ability to breed. Like, okay, you get one human. No, that's a testament. Okay, you get one human after nine months, and they are good for absolutely nothing. You literally have to carry that yeah, human for around years, for bloody right? yeah. ever. Yeah. Right. And until they, before they can even stand up. No, we are terrible at breeding. I mean, I, I think uh, human now, beings do it far more than like. Uh, oh, there's more chickens than humans. Well, that's true. I mean, there's more cockroaches. Than and chickens are too. actually good at breeding. But uh, the overall number, I mean, save for like the baby boom, right? You know, the population has grown. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so, you know, that's that's all I'm saying. That's like the number two thing that humans are like the first one is the conquering, probably. So I probably have it in the wrong order. Conquer and then breed. Well, for a wide enough right. view of conquer. Yeah. But now we're terrible at breeding. But you know what? We're the just so good at conquering that we can overcome our shortcomings in breeding. Uh, I think the prowess at conquering allows for the breeding. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, however, the the redeeming quality that that I find in human beings is art, right? Mm. Uh, cr creativity, the ability yeah. to imagine, right? I mean, we can articulate it, so I can only uh, assume that other species on the planet don't imagine things. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I can look at a wall inside my house and go. You know, I can imagine that uh, a different shade of beige. Right. right. I have an imagination, right? Now, it's a very poor illustration of imagination, but you get the idea. People have the ability to go, hmm, I wonder what would it look like if I did this. Right. Instead of that. You know, or what if I use a different material? Let's use brick instead of plywood or whatever. Right. You have to imagine these things. You have to be able to create. And that's. Or importantly, what if I did X? And then we can run the scenario through our mind. Right. And go, oh, that would fucking kill me. I'm gonna not do that. I mean, that's the that's the uh, the evolutionary value of imagination is that you can run scenarios where imaginary you dies, therefore not imaginary you gets to live. Mm. Let's do this. Beard talk live. Who the fuck is this? Scenario. Is your radio on in the background again? Uh. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's off now. Okay, good. Because it always creates a delay, and it sucks to try and have a conversation yeah, it does. Uh, in, in that way, yeah. shape, or form. What's up, Steamer? Hey, Captain Micah. Who's that? What's the name of the other guy? Oh, it, uh, wait, no, no, wait. I, I'm going to tell you exactly who he is. Uh, one of our yeah. co-hosts was listening to last week's episode, and they mentioned uh, this. 
quote, fucking double bearded fucking son of a bitch. Mm. I believe that's yes. that's who you're talking oh. about. Fucking double bearded fucking son of a bitch. Uh, the co-host mentioned that that may be the greatest line ever uttered on BTL. Now, I know, I know that wasn't you, Skyler, but, um, you know. Fucking double bearded son of a bitch. Fucking double bearded son of a bitch. You know what? I'm, can you, can I'm, you I'm that adding word? that to my titles. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Can you, can you call him that word? Okay. Uh, you are on F-A-G. Beard Talk Live, which is uh, censor-free, so, yeah, you can yeah. fucking cuss all you want, man. Even the N-word? Even the N-word. Even the N-word. I prefer you. But it won't, but, but you know, it won't ingratiate you to no, me, just, I'll I'm tell just, you that much. I fucking hate hearing that word. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just seeing the limits. Uh, but you can't, can you say like things like penis on the... On the regular show? Well, so it depends. A bit. If if you're describing like a medical procedure, right? Like, I think it's bad that religious people uh, shred little boys' penis uh, when they do the uh, what do you call it? The the, the circumcision. circumcision. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, so th- I could say penis there, right? But if you're like, damn, that's a penis, right? Like I, that, you can't get away with on the radio. Uh, okay, so the context matters, I guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that, so, that was um, the surprising part for me is how much context matters. So if you get scatological, even if you don't say shit, but if you start talking about it too much, that is unacceptable. Hey, uh, Rich was calling me a scat eater all, all show. Yeah. But you oh, guys are it messing was, up the logic. It was, um... Well, scat eater. Yeah, scat eater. Like... I mean, like, if you ate ska bands, <laughs> that would be Sky Eater. Oh, hey, did you tell, uh, what's this guy's name again? Which guy? I think it's, like, Mountaineer or something. Oh, Double Bearded oh, Fucking it? Bastard? Or is that right? Did I? I don't know. Yeah, double, I don't know. That's I thought it was bearded, Fucking Double Bearded Fucking Bastard. Fucking Double Bearded Bastard. Double Bearded hey, Fucking Bastard. Li- I'll have to look Tell my libertarian joke. I was gonna try it out on him. You have a, okay. You he wants to tell you a libertarian joke. Are you ready? I'm all ears. We, but uh, it's a knock knock joke. But you gotta participate until. Fuck! Uh, you tried this and last if, week. If you don't, if you don't get it, you gotta keep doing it until you get it. That's the rule. Oh, I gotta. Yeah. I mean, you're I compelled to by the non-aggression principle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good yeah. libertarian joke. Uh, I like I, it. I will have the override, though. So, like, if I decide that, uh, you know, uh, this call needs to end, I will. So, I just have the override <laughs> on that. But otherwise, continue. I just I just wanted to see him. Uh, because, uh, you know, Rich cut it off. You're supposed to uh, have them participate until they uh, figure it out. And it gets funnier as you go. Well, I will participate for as long as I am interested in doing so. Uh, And since we haven't even started yet, I'm going to correct myself. Fucking double-bearded fucking son of a bitch. Ah, there we go. Again, fucking double-bearded fucking son of a bitch. Fucking double-bearded son of a bitch. Okay, hey, fucking double-bearded son of a bitch. Uh, Let's start. uh, Close enough. did Did you know janitors are the most libertarian people in the world? Are they? Knock, knock. Who's there? Knock, knock. I eat mop. Huh, nice. <laughs> you kicked out of there? Yeah. Right. That kick? isn't a libertarian joke. Is it even a oh. joke? <laughs> Barely. It's supposed to be. 
got it. Hey, uh, Scooby, how many tough guys does yeah. it take to change a light bulb? Uh, one. What? No, you're wrong. None. You know why? Because tough guys aren't afraid of the dark. How many ska bands does it take to screw in a light bulb? Two. One to screw it in, one to try and screw it in and drop it, and the other one to go, pick it up, pick it up. God damn it. Okay, that was funny. Any racist jokes? I told a Polish joke last week. Oh, yeah, here you go. Did you hear about the Polish lesbian? Yeah, yeah, you told me that one last week. What's the punchline? They like guys. She likes guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know where the hey, where the uh, Polak jokes came from, right? Uh, Poland? Uh, probably in uh, the industrial age when they're immigrating, right? Well, so a bunch of I mean uh, that's accurate as far as time frame. Well, so uh, a bunch of uh, of newsreels came to America showing the Poles fighting. And Germany had invaded with a modern army with tanks. And Poland still had horses. So a bunch of, uh, of newsreels and pictures came back of the Polish fighting tanks on horseback. And that was pretty um, much the beginning of the dumb Polak joke. But to be fair, uh, they actually took out a surprising number of tanks and, on horseback. And that's the tanks they get. Right. Now I look at that and I'm like, that is badass. No, I'm kick ass. Oh, I see. Not really. Captain, that Hey, is. when uh, Ian goes to prison, can I get my own show? I mean, you can get I your own know, show now, you? man. Do you do you have a computer? <laughs> no, I want to be on. A, I don't. I don't. Know, I don't know how your your shows work. Or, it's only like. Um, well, you've been, you've been calling in all this show, time like to each of these shows. You know when they're on. You must know something about the shows. Uh, not really. I'm I'm using it. I'm I'm a competitive guy, so like, um, you guys kind of drive me to, um, uh, develop my moral theory. <laughs> huh. Which is uh, that's a compliment, and I'll take it. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. Aren't you guys uh, utilitarian, by the way? I mean, shoot, oh, you hell guys no. uh, abuse kids, right? When that it serves your purpose, and uh, you guys already admit you'd slap each other for money. Uh, I believe it was. I believe it was. Um, was it uh, duel? Like the the gloves, you know, challenge you to a duel slap. Oh no! It was I would let you punch me in the face, mm. or you'd no. let put yeah. something for like some sum of money, right? Well, no, yeah. it was would I aggress against your Yeah, son. would I aggress against you for a sum of money? And uh, the yeah. answer is yes, yes, I would, and I would then share uh. it with you, which is a gamble on my part. Yeah. I am gambling well, that that would purchase your forgiveness, mm-hmm. but that it's is a gamble that I'm willing to make. Yeah. And since Doesn't I have faith that I would that. restore civilization between us, uh, I'm willing to make that uh, that particular delve. Right. And while a, and while that might be a character flaw. No. While accepting uh, money to be aggressive to another person uh, violates the nap. Uh, it's uh, there's a other side of that. When the nap is violated, then you are required to uh, make amends. Right. Uh, I don't see that. Uh, Plus, uh, I mean, what well, right. That's because you're an absolutist. Right. No. Well, you, it, it doesn't even count well, as a principle, a principle unless it's a universally unless it is. A, oh, there's actually a term for this: a perfect duty, as opposed to an imperfect duty. So, uh, a, a perfect duty would be like a uh, right murder. Now. You're taking I, a perfect duty. 
So I, I can always expect you to not murder anyone because there's, there's this intentionality that goes into murder that you can't accidentally do it. And, and there's not going to be a, a so I can always expect that of you. Yeah. There's, it's a perfect what if, duty, what whereas murder... non-aggression is an imperfect duty. Yeah, here's here's the thing: is that uh, human beings, uh, are, you know, uh, human I'm, beings. Only. I'm sure, I'm sure that you have made a mistake. I know I have. I know you have. We all are humans. We make mistakes, right? Now, uh, when making those mistakes, how does one achieve forgiveness or atone for those mistakes? Right. Uh, if it's just something like, dude, I ate the last pot brownie. I know it was yours. Right. You're like, you motherfucker. Like if you're a roommate or something, you're like, you motherfucker, you ate my last pot brownie, you son of a bitch. Right. How does he make that right? Well, he goes out, buys me a new bong and a, an eighth of weed or something. Right. You know, something. Right. You know, he goes, dude, I'm really sorry. Uh, here, man, accept my apology. Won't happen again. Kind of a thing. Right. And then you're like, OK, that's fine. Uh, that is a very human thing that like is required, I think, of humans to maintain their humanity. Uh, you need uh, an opportunity uh, for forgiveness, an opportunity for justice, uh, an opportunity to make amends when you make a mistake. All, all, these, all these ethics, they just extend to human beings only? What about animals? They can't imagine. Oh, did you know humans are animals? <laughs> no, no. So contextually, I mean, they would not be in that sentence. So, okay, so here's the thing, right? So you guys are talking about all these ethics that apply to humans, and I assume like uh, other intelligent uh, aliens and stuff. And if AI they, too, if, if so if an intelligent alien exists and they can prove to us that they're capable of contracting, then this would apply to them. Oh, so here's the thing, like, so you believe in evolution, right? Yeah. Right. So you, so in evolution, there's going to be a first uh, example of the species that can actually prove what you want. Right. Mm -hmm. So once one uh, example of the species can talk to you and prove that, but the others aren't totally evolved. Oh, as soon as he, as soon as we know it comes out of that species, we've got to treat the whole thing as if it is a uh, an undeveloped <laughs> version of it. You know, you know where this comes from, this sentiment? That uh, you know, an extent it comes from wanting to protect people you trade with. That's where it really comes from. It's just empathy. So in, in a real in a real market, if if someone doesn't trade with the society, they don't get the same rights as everybody. They actually get almost no rights. You know, that's where it's come from, and you can see it in in I, civilization. I here. do not really care. Like I I don't well, think you're correct, and I also works. don't care. So I'm going to treat well, everyone, whether they're trading with me or not, as yeah, a moral ridiculous. agent. Yeah. So I claim I claim otherwise. So in the market, you have to think like a business. You claim play. Right? So as a business, right, imagine this scenario. I'm your best customer. I make them 90% of your business, right? Then I'm and a you, bad businessman. <laughs> right. And, and you... And you have this other looky loo who just comes in and window shops in your shop. I spend ninety percent of your business. I spend. I uh, I produce ninety percent of your revenue. I come in. I steal a three dollar piece of candy. The kid does the same. Are you going to treat us equally? Um, Are you? 
Yes, yes, I think I am because first of all, your your imaginary scenario. <laughs> You're going uh, out of business, boy. Your your imaginary scenario, uh, as you as the basically sole customer of my business, that means I'm a bad businessman, and I wouldn't be in business anyway. If that, if that, I only had one fucking customer. So what you you're doing, though, no, no, no. Friends? What you're doing, though, is something that a lot of libertarians like to engage in, and that no, is the, no. what if this little minute edge fucking it's case that will never fucking yeah, happen They're were to They're collectively exist. referred to as lifeboat scenarios. Hey, Captain, Thank you. Hey, Captain. Hey, Captain. You guys were talking about the Pareto distribution, right? Let's go ahead and finish this subject before we move on to another. No, wait, yeah. remember? You no, guys no, 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 no. Come on. That's, Come on. That's no. Skeeter. Come on, Scotty. Skeeter. Come on, Scotty. This is not how, this works. isn't even how debate you works. You have a big customer that makes up a large uh, by, portion. <sighs> yep. Well, that was Way to wear out something. your welcome, pal. Yeah. You know? We were doing all right there for a minute. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, uh, to, to finish answering this question. Yeah. Now, here's what I will do. I will observe that, okay, you have broken civilization with me, and then I will determine what will be necessary for you to return to civilization with me. Okay, you stole my $3 candy. Now, it is true that I will evaluate the quantity of change differently between the two because I have a different relationship with each of them. And in fact, so yeah, your roommate stole your last pot brownie, mm-hmm. but he came to you and apologized. So that's the beginning of redemption. Yep. So the first is to acknowledge what you've done and stop. And the second is to to make amends with me. Now, depending on the roommate, it might be just one of those, you know what? Forget about it. You, you've been awesome enough. Your apology is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Now, for another one, you might require a, a, a not only an eighth, but a whole quarter, because yeah. that guy's a dick, yeah. and he is starting to really wear out his welcome, Right. because each of these are unique relationships. So yeah, what I will accept in order to return to civilization is going to be unique between every example of it, but the principle remains the same. There's, you have left civilization with me, and now I must determine what will be necessary for you to make amends. So, yeah, it is the same. And as a sci-fi nerd, uh, I remember uh, the Doctor Who quote, never cruel and never cowardly, and if you ever are, always make amends. Yeah. I mean, you combine that with the nap, that's a recipe for a pretty darn good life, I think. It really is. You know? Uh, and and that is, uh, it is a, a, a different dimension to non-aggression than the, the, than the bare bones idea. But yes, there's a cycle of non-aggression where, yeah, we do what we can to stay in civilization, but at some point we screw up. We either, we either make a mistake right. or sometimes we're just malicious about it. And then we like come to our damn senses yep. and decide that being in civilization is better than being in nature. Right. So there's, there's this cycle of moving from civilization to nature and then moving from nature to civilization through redemption so yeah there's an additional uh dimension to this when you look a little bit more closely yeah but does that negate the simple version of it yeah no no the simple version of it is still there it's just you're adding nuance you're you're articulating the idea further right and these uh what did you call them lifeboat scenarios yeah uh these you know uh very very granular 
uh, you know, what if these exact set of circumstances were to occur? Wouldn't that be a contradiction? Well, first of all, we have to get to a point where that set of circumstances can, in fact, occur in order to really answer that question. Mm. Uh, Until that set of circumstances, uh, you know, has the possibility of happening, uh, no one can answer that question for sure. Right. The combination of redemption and the nap, I think, uh, are are very good. Uh, I wish there was a third thing we could put in there, you know, because, like, I just feel like that's, like, the Satoshi Nakamoto <laughs> thing to do, right? You just combine three things that are already out there, right, you know? Uh, well, we'll have to wait until something emerges organically to add a new dimension and further articulation. Yeah. Because... So the reason that you get to this level of articulation is because you understood the first dimension of this, which is the non-aggression principle. So you had to fully understand that before you can start really working with that idea and going, oh, hey, there's this different dimension to this. Now, until we start really comprehending the cycle of redemption, then we're not even going to really start working in a way that we can discover other nuances, other articulations to this this yeah. process. Yeah, we have to get uh, most folks, uh, you know, on board with the nap, right? Which is proving to be far more difficult than it should be. Um, it, it it's basic. It's kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hit people. Don't take their stuff. If you aren't allowed to to you know damage this person or their property or steal stuff from them, how does anybody else have the right to do so? Where did they get it from? Oh, they didn't. Oh, right. And so that makes uh, the control organizations, the institution known as government, uh, bad. Yeah. Right? Well, it's, and it's bad for humanity. It's it's just, it's morally inept. Right. Right? It, it, it exists uh, in violence only. Right. Yeah, and that's, and that's the thing where once you start going, okay, we have this, this uh, contrast of aggressive and non-aggressive. Yeah. And once you just begin to look at the world and measure in that dimension, then a lot of information appears to you in the same way that like, if you suddenly had the ability to go uh, light versus dark, it would it, it would allow a, a world of information to emerge to you. Now, the same thing happens with aggressive versus non-aggressive, and the thing that it shows is, okay, here, is this center of aggression mm-hmm. that is most aggressive right. that every single thing it does has some level of aggression yep and some of the things that it does are more aggressive than any other single act that exists so it it reveals to you yeah. the center of aggression yeah and yeah i i get you i get you love the lifeboat scenario I would love to get to the point where we are so non-aggressive that we have taken out these centers of sources right. of aggression. Yeah. Or just just the largest source of most aggression on planet Earth. And then we can start to worry about, well, did you actually do that? Did you hold yeah. this to the same stint? Well, well, I'd love to get there. Where, like, we're interacting with people and not with these delusional entities because really that's it requires a level of delusion to believe that corporations and governments exist now they they are fiction 
it's it's a delusion that we've been uh, cultured to. Yeah. That has uh, that has slowly but surely been built into us. But in the same way, like if I start talking to you about the Easter Bunny, and I mean like, no, there's this physical six foot rabbit, and he hides these eggs, man. I mean, I mean, that's a delusion. But in the same way, if you start talking to me about, well, here's what Russia did. Well, really? The landmass? Oh, the, the people? <laughs> All of them? All of uh, them? No, the piece of paper that says that this landmass oh, equals oh. Russia. You mean this group of individuals who are claiming to do this on behalf of all of the people in this geographical area? Those monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Factually speaking, it is so funny that, like, that this is, like, hidden from most of the public. Like, they don't, they don't get this following statement. Legally speaking, your state that you live in is factually a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper that says, uh, you know, this is a thing called uh, the state of New Hampshire, right? Or the state of Washington or the state of Wisconsin, the state of Michigan, the state of wherever, wherever the fuck you live, whatever state you're in. Uh, that That's not actually true. Uh, there's no such thing as the United States of America. There's no such thing as states, right? There's no Nevada. There's no Washington. There's no California. Uh, these are imaginary lines that uh, control freaks and uh, explorers. Uh, and sometimes both, uh, have laid upon. Now, uh, there are, of course, natural borders, right? Nobody ever talks about that, but like a river, a mm -hmm. mountain range, mm -hmm. you know, that a, a shoreline, right? You know, these are natural borders, uh, you know, indicators of like where you're at on a given landmass, right? But it's the, uh, the legalese versions that are just words on pieces of paper in a bureaucrat's office. Right, yeah. like you were legally in the state of New Hampshire. Well, what is the state of New Hampshire? Well, factually speaking, it's just a bunch of words written on a piece of paper. Well, then how could I physically be inside of words written on a piece of paper? And <laughs> I mean, there's really no part of me that is ever in those words. Right, like not my mind, not my body, not my hopes and dreams, not even my character flaws are in those words. Uh, I see we have some callers, but it is time for us to take a breather. We only take one break during this three-hour show, and so we're going to take it now. Uh, I'm going to play some music for you. We'll be back in about 10 minutes or so. This is Beard Talk Live, 603-283-6160.
right. You've heard of fade to black? No, no, that's not how we do things here on Beard Talk Live. We fade from break. Fade to show. Fade to show. Fade to segment two of our two-segment show. (laughs) (laughs) It's Beard Talk Live. Um, We... We gotta have a caller. We gotta do the uh, the other thing. We do. We do. Uh, the phone number six zero three two eight three six one six zero. When you call in, you'll hear not this show, uh, but you might hear me. You might hear him. It might be the show we did just prior. Uh, but we are here doing this show now, and so that is the experience you will have. But you are still free to call six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Beard talk live. Who the fuck is this? Hey, this is fucking Andrew. Hey, fucking Andrew. Hey, fucking Andrew. How's it going, guys? Uh, we are good. How art thou? Well, you know, it's funny. My power just went out in my house. Huh. <laughs> like, literally, like, like while I was on hold, it just went out. What did you do? <laughs> but anyways, no, I was, uh, you know, I was calling, it's, um, uh, Scooter, he's uh, you, utilitarianism. Is that what his thing is? Utilitarianism. Yeah, util. Yeah, utilitarianism. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I don't even know what that means. Really, tell you. Okay, so uh, utilitarianism is uh, the greatest good for the greatest number. Oh, that sounds bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, like, uh, like the the least amount of pain and the greatest amount of satisfaction or happiness. To the greatest quantity of people, and his is evolutionary utilitarianism. Ew, wow. Which says See, what? it's why it's nature itself that is giving me the value. I mean, that's how the market is supposed to be, right? Like the most resources towards the greatest demand. Well, the market effectively does the the purpose, yeah. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like that is the only naturally occurring version of that 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 I recognize. Right. Well, at um, least so far. So okay, here's the, so the and, and, and the thing actually, is that the market solves the the implicit problem, which is what's good, what's the greatest good. Mm. Well, right, every individual has to figure out what's good. Right. Well, that's what you figure out on your own. But I mean, there's still there ha- there still has to be some kind of compassion that comes into play. I mean, empathy. You know, I, I think well, there's very, well, there's like, two routes to compassion. So you can you can either go um, you can either go a selfless route, uh, which is usually religious, or you can go a selfish route, uh, and it will take you longer. But eventually, you find out that compassion is simply superior. Now it, it does need of... to be in its limits uh, as yeah. far as what you do with it. But uh, yeah, com- having compassion is a superior trait than having no compassion. Well, and there, there, there are definitely elements of, you know, his philosophy that definitely like relate to libertarianism, but there. Which is why I think he probably does mistake himself for an anarchist. Right, but he's really not no. because he, yeah, I mean, well, there, yeah, you, you still have to. So there's elements of humanity that you have to take into account. Well, we're, so, we're, we're not just all robots and, you know, yeah, I, I killed this guy. He's out of my way, you know. Yeah. Okay, great. But now 
But what did he, he – there's a purpose that he served that now he's just – He's just gone, you know, and, and who are you to say that this person didn't serve whatever purpose there was, you know? So that that's what I don't like about what he's saying because he just kind of acts like I can just take anybody out anytime I want to because. Well, I've never run across a utilitarian that did not have some sort of vision of what the good was. And it's their vision that they don't really want to address or talk about uh, what the good actually is. No, no, no. We're going to we're going mm-hmm. to step over that and go directly. No, no, no. It's just it's we're going to shorthand it to utilitarianism. Mm. We're going to step over the fact that actually good is as unique as each of us. Because I, I never actually hear him say anything positive. Everything no, he's such he says a dick. always. It's always negative. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's always. Oh, let me let me pick apart every bit of your argument and not and yeah. not take anything into account. Yeah. It's just, it's almost like a nihilist in a way. Yeah. Oh, that's um, yeah. No, that I think that's pretty. You pretty much nailed it yeah. right there on the head. I mean, it's like at some point, you know what? There is okay. So to be a utilitarian. Am I saying that right? I feel mm-hmm. like I'm saying it wrong. No, you got it. No, you um, got it. You have to have a certain amount of humanity if because there's humanity that goes into that, and that's what he doesn't understand. He He's just like this – I don't know how to explain it, but he, he almost doesn't even seem like a real person in a way. You know, like he just – He's just so negative, like, hey, nothing nothing to that person's ever going to be good. Mm. Nothing. You know, like, yeah, I don't, I don't I, think... Yeah, uh, um, what is it, like, cynic? Mm, cynic, yeah. Cynic. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but there's more to life than just getting what you need because there's value in the quality of your life. And if you are going to go around and, you know, try to get the most out of life, you have to get along with people around you. So there's value in that. So if you don't get along with people, well, that goes against his whole philosophy in the first place. Because he's saying, he's basically saying, like, if I don't like you, I can just do away with you. And that, that, like, is his philosophy. But it's like, no, no, if you just, if you just take everybody around you and you say, nope, you're not good enough, and I'm just going to do away with you, well, that that actually goes against his philosophy, and he doesn't even he doesn't he doesn't see that. Like, I don't I don't I, I'm I'm at a loss for words, but <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I I feel you though. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really sad, honestly. Like every absolutist philosophy has this weird streak of suicidality to it. Because if you hold them to their own philosophy, whether they see it or not, uh, it would end up killing them. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, he's killing himself off. Like, he's not... He's I, not you know, I honestly off. wonder if that's not the point. And he's mocking us for loving life. It's like, right. you rubes, don't you understand? I don't know if I read all that into him, but uh, it's possible, I guess. <laughs> no, I think he is. I think he just I, you know, there. There's so, something happened to the guy, and I feel sorry for Scooter. 
But something happened to the guy, and he just he hates everybody, and I hate that for the guy. But yeah, you know what? been there, and it that's sucks. Allowed, Isn't that that's like... why you should be allowed to have a gun? Because if my neighbor hates me, then I need to be able to take him out if I need to. If he goes crazy, you know. So yeah, depending on how active that hatred becomes. But uh, at the same time, I mean, that's why you reach out. That's why you try and like connect with someone even if it's as an enemy or an opponent or or uh, a rube to try and talk some sense into uh. well and, and actually i didn't actually call to talk about scooter i actually called to say like what the fuck know, is going on with my lights and why are they out hey uh sorry i'm, I'm sorry well, was it was it fucking andrew is that right fucking andrew fucking yeah. andrew uh, do you know the beard talk live amble I love the amble. Do you do you know it though? Do you have it memorized? I, 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 I might I might mix it up though right now. Do you, do you want to try I, it I've with been, us? I've, I've been drinking a little bit, so we, I, I might have missed. We we haven't done it yet, and I was thinking that okay. you might want to join us. All right, let's do it. All right, All right. here we go. Ready? One, right. two, three. Shit, Shit piss, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and, and tits. tits. And tits. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I love that. That's awesome. All uh, right. So, I, so actually, no, I've been watching a lot of like George Carlin lately, just just for uh, good time know, well spent. Uh, and, hell yeah, uh, man. That that shit never gets old, man. Yeah, it. Some of the shit he says, like way back then, is still so fucking relevant today. I, I think I owe him at least one or two IQ points, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's like, oh, the analysis of language. No one does that. Like, like as a child, or or at least a young person, George Carlin was still doing shows, and you know, getting older by the show, but he was still doing them. And so I would see him on like HBO every now and again. Uh, and I, like, there were things I'm like, I don't understand what he's talking about, political stuff, right, or current event stuff. But I found him hilarious even as a child, right? And then, like, when I got older, I understood the rest of his shit. And I'm like, oh, I see. Well, the thing is, what he's not even talking about politics. He's talking about life. The politics is the after effect of everything, you know? Like, I mean— that's just part of that's part of life. Well, so, so, so just just real later, quick, it's know? a it's a it's a circle. So politics right. is downstream of culture, and culture is downstream of politics. Absolutely. So basically, politics is just a reflection of where the majority of the people are, and that's why we shouldn't be a democracy. It certainly is like a like a red flag of retardation, right? It, like, like if you're a, a species from another planet, you're like, oh, look at these guys. They're industrious. Uh, they have cooperation. Uh, they show compassion. Oh, wait. Nope. <laughs> they can't stop killing. Right. Well, our, our, our morality nowadays comes from legality. Mm. You know, and you can't. That that's not how you base your life. If 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 if, if your if your morals come from the laws. Then you're just you're already lost. Yeah, you're you're a long soul already. Yeah, it's because... so sad how effective they are at teaching us that what is wrong and what is illegal are the same thing. Yeah. Well, and you know it's you know it's the whole thing of like you got to live in the world, but you don't have to be of the world. 
And, you know, I do think there's, I think there's so many philosophies, like people, people just like, I'm on this, I'm on this. Like, no, just, it, you got to kind of pick the best of a bunch of different philosophies. And I mean, we're, we're, we're at a time period now that we're, we're all very smart and like people are choosing not to be smart nowadays. So, and that, that so hold on. I wanted to to drill down on that idea of uh, being in the world and not of the world. Mm. Now, the issue that I that I uh, have have struggled with on that is that I was taught that idea in in contrast to uh, Christian heaven. That, right. Like that was our home. That was what we belonged to, and this was just a, a stay, where we where we did the interesting thing of life before we had our eternal life. So okay. when when the world becomes something other than that, I think that uh, the important part is that we actually get to form our own idea of a realistic heaven and move toward it. So that it's not just keeping apart from what the world is doing now, but having an idea of a way to circumvent it completely and to do this instead. Well, in my my experience in the world, because I grew up like I've had the Bible beat beat me down as a kid and stuff, and I've yep. taken my own path into life. And um, good on you. The, I, I look at things in a way of I feel like you you experience heaven and hell while you're on Earth. Right. Um, right. I, I, I feel like I feel like you have a soul, and you can only experience life within this body on this earth here, you know, it's, yeah. it's a way to bring it into, you know, the, where you can touch and feel and that kind of thing. And so um, I, I have a, I have a different idea. Cause like what, once you die, I don't really think, like, I don't think you care if you're in heaven or hell. I think it's why you're here on earth. That's yeah, my you, opinion. You definitely have a whole new set of problems at that point. Like whatever okay. problems you had on earth, they are done. Right. Yeah. There's no, there's no going back. <laughs> yeah. That's well, a fact. And, and here's the thing. So the, the, there, there is in that fact that heaven and hell can be experienced on earth. There is a kind of eternity because there are certain actions you can take that make heaven more likely to occur. And there are certain actions that you can take that make hell more likely to occur. And the more you do one or the other, the more you create that environment that interacts with other people. And then those other people can be more likely in a heaven or in a hell, depending on which choices you're making. So that, well, that I'll, and, and, and I'll go, and I'll go, well, and that, I'll go a step further. and that can even outlast your own life. Well, and I'll go a step further and say, you know, that, that I was born into a family, a blood family, but while I'm here on earth, I will experience my, you know, my spiritual family because yeah. my, my blood is not actually my family. Yeah, no, I'm with there, you on that there. one. I, uh, I am not anywhere near blood relatives. Uh, and in fact, I moved uh, specifically to be around uh, my freedom family. Right, uh, I, I you know, whether they know it or not, they've adopted me. <laughs> yeah, you're like a stray dog. They just put out some food 
this some might, kibble, and, yeah, and, this, and here comes the captain, you know, like. <laughs> they, they were just like, hey, uh, if you move here, you can talk to us uh, at a certain level of uh, information, or, or at least belief, I guess. Uh, the non-aggression principle is a good idea. And so I want to be around a bunch of other people who think that's a good idea, and I don't want to have to explain myself 10,000 times a fucking day. Right? right, because everybody just understands, like, and then hey, I, you're a good guy. We're, we're spiritual brothers, kind of, and we're, you know, we're on a different level than these other people. And you well, start to I mean, know that about people. As cliche as this might be, have you ever seen They Live? Yes, I have. They live. Is that a movie? It yeah, is. dude, totally worth a watch. Rowdy, oh, Rowdy, oh, Rowdy Piper. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Rowdy, uh, Rowdy Piper. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yep. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it, it, is, it, it is an awesome movie punctuated by, like, the longest fight scene of all time. Uh, it really is. And, and, and basically, it's kind of like that, uh, where the people here know that that exists they know that the that that dimension of existence exists like hey here's the truth here's what happens when you repeal this uh exemption clause and treat everyone like human beings yeah, literally equally yeah <laughs> not equality yeah. but like you know treat everyone as a, the, you are well, your own you know, government right when you go around the world like that people will actually be aggressive to you and actually be <laughs> yeah. like no, no, you don't understand. You're like, no, actually, I'm the one that does understand. I'm actually doing what you need to do. Like, you're the one that doesn't understand. Yeah, yeah. I uh, refer does to myself long before uh, I even knew the meaning of this word. Uh, I used to refer to myself as a freedom junkie, hmm. right? And that's because I noticed things about myself that, like, uh, uh, I would get cooped up and I just need to go outside, right? They call it, uh, there's a word for it, uh, when you feel like you need to go outside. Uh, but, Agoraphilic? No, no, that's uh -huh. not right. Uh, at any rate, um, I noticed that like whenever my car was in the shop and I'm in my car for a few days, I went a little stir crazy. A little cabin fever. Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I was looking for. Cabin fever. Mm. A little cabin fever. <laughs> and I'm like, why is this fucking happening? Why does it only happen? Like, I could be at my house for several days in a row and not go anywhere, but I'm fine. But suddenly I'm without my stir car crazy. and I'm a bit stir crazy. And it's because of my uh, insatiable desire for freedom, my eleutheromania, if you will. Right. And so there are a whole bunch of other eleutheromaniacs. Uh, here in New Hampshire, they're gathering together because they're all going, hey, we see the evil. We see where it is. We want a chance to be free of that evil. Mm -hmm. uh, let's get together and figure out how to fucking do that. And I think that is, uh, you know, call it what you want, like the, the, the greater good, if you will. Uh, to me, that is work towards, uh, in my opinion, uh, the best method of organizing humankind individually. Individuals should always well, be free thing, to act individually. And the funny thing is, talking about like being able to drive in your car, that is like your first experience of freedom is when you can yeah. get in that car and you can just go, man. Like, like, I can go anywhere? Yeah. So I think you're that... You're 16 years old, like, and they're trying to take that away from you. Like, I think the whole, the whole idea of some of the electric cars and stuff, I think some of it is 
to try to get you not to be able to drive and experience yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Fucking really Andrew. They are attempting to take, to take that away from people step by step. Like, 2026, they're they're supposed to make all the cars with, like, breathalyzers at this point. Um, like, no, they are, they are slowly but surely making it harder and harder to have this inherently individualistic technology. That's the I, I think that's... When, I think that's what crashed the USSR is they let cars in. They're, they're too damn useful to not have, but they're such individualist technology. Cars crashed the USSR. Yeah. Now, if they had confined everyone to buses and trains, pretty great. I think they could have kept a, a collectivist uh, society for a longer period of time. But they, they let this amazing individualist technology in, and it just infected them with They all freedom. became eleutheromaniacs. Yes. Can, can I say this? In the last, like, like 150 years, when you want to talk about, like, gaining a freedom, the only freedom we've gained is the ability to get into a car and drive <laughs> where you want to go. Like, we have – that, that actually is a freedom that we've gained – because of ingenuity. You yeah, but it's it's hardly a uh, freeing experience anymore. I drove across country, uh, uh, not this past <laughs> summer, but the summer before, and oh my God, the toll roads and, uh, you know, the speed traps and the fucking traffic in the big cities. Uh, holy fuck, man. So like, it, it's insane. I, I think we actually lost, like, the last remnant of uh, of the, the spirit of this country when... Uh, when the speed limit became a thing, because that is when the open road was suddenly the most likely place to encounter uh, a, a, a law enforcement officer right. in a very unpleasant way. Yeah. So, I mean, that that was the end of it. Like, okay, well, all of a sudden the relationship there, must be antagonistic. And predatory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I was gonna ask you guys though. So, what, what, what is, what do you think is? So, where does um, like love and humanity fall into libertarianism? Because I feel like we don't talk about that enough. Like yeah, right. where well, compassion and stuff kind of falls in to some of it this. Is, stuff, you it know? is all and, love. I, yeah, I was and, gonna say. I think the the mindset of being, you know, we'll call it libertarian, voluntarist, comes from a position of just love for your fellow man. Well, and I think that too, because well, I, I, the thing is, I, I never meet a stranger. I go out and, you know, I, I, you know, I love everybody. I'll give somebody the shirt off my back if they need it, you know, but I'm not going to, well, you know. Okay, so so here's, here's the, for me, the absolute core of it is this. You profit from having compassion. Therefore, even if you didn't love the people around you, you are incentivized to pretend like you love them, to practice love toward them. Even if you're neutral or even negative, you are you are rewarded for acting in a loving manner toward people around you and and finding out what they want that you well, can it's provide. Not even really cool you, it's kind of for or it's not for them; it's for you, honestly. Yeah, but but that's the thing. It's it's a miracle. I, people people don't understand Love how much miracle. that keeps you going. It keeps you going in life. It keeps you, you know, doing doing things. You know, like when you get to a point where you don't feel love, 
that's all, all you want to do is destroy things and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't help you in your life because you're going to destroy your own stuff and your neighbor's stuff and nobody's going to be there for you you know i i believe it was a, a listener named tom uh, there's a meme out there somewhere uh, of me uh you know and i got the headphones on i'm sort of laughing or whatever and it says uh it's supposedly a quote i don't remember saying it and i didn't go back and listen to the episode but it says uh, uh the revolution is just one hug away i now believe that man i'm telling i think we're we're in a world right now man where that little bit of compassion goes a long way because i've been feeling it in my personal life and you know i feel sorry for people like skeeter that don't want to you know i don't know why he hates everybody but you know what you're not not having any friends is not going to help his type of philosophy you know and so honestly that's the silly thing is really if he if he really thought about it being more friendly would actually benefit his philosophy and um I think he just got it backwards, and, you know, we, nobody needs to just only do one thing. You know, we all need to just take pieces and parts from everything and use our own brains and pull everything together. Yep. And, yep. you know, not just be like, I only practice this one philosophy ever, you know. I mean, um, the non-aggression principle, though, see, it covers everything because it's a blanket statement. Well, you know? It covers like, most things. Well, it's not, you know, there's going to be people out there that are going to be assholes and dicks, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, see, that's where it comes down to, well, if I'm trying to do business with you, if you're a fucking dick, I'm not going to do fucking business with you. Right. And you're going to be poor, you know. So there you go, you yeah. know. I mean, Yeah, learn how to communicate <laughs> with other people and trade for the things that you need, and then you'll have a pretty good life. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like nope, it, it, it incentivizes itself, right? And nobody needs to right. incentivize humankind to do those things. Humankind will incentivize itself to do those kinds of things. And that's how there's a difference between society and government. Society will do all of these things of its own accord, even in the absence of the organization type known as government. I wish I could have a three-way call with a uh, skater sometime because you guys are going to make me learn a fucking thing. I already, already disappointed Phoenix earlier. I was supposed to do some homework <laughs> and figure out how to do exactly that. And so now fucking Andrew's fucking asking for it. Uh, well, I, I might mean, have I to learn a thing. Got to teach an old dog a new trick. We can get more shit solved that way. Right. You know, maybe not. I mean, I don't maybe. know. Have you been on a zoom call recently? <laughs> No, I don't do any of that shit. I stay away from yeah. that. I'm old school. I'll, I'll tell you, I've uh, I've been trained not to put any hopes on a conversation with Skeeter. Yeah. No, I don't. He sounds like a little uh, David from Mexico. <laughs> a I little bit. Was, uh, <laughs> huh? Shut up, man. <sighs> don't say his name three times. Yeah. No, I think it's him. I think it's him in a different. I think it's him, man. Same guy, different location. You don't think so? Oh, who knows, man? For all uh, I know, for all I know, you're David in New Mexico. I mean, like the the technology exists. 
That's true. Well, Fuck, I don't know, man. Come on. What do I know for certain? I don't. No, the only thing I know for certain is that nothing is for certain. Do you know well, that? I do. I Are you certain? Though, I am. Well, then you're wrong. I think the fact that he calls the show so much shows how lonely he is, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I mean. Think he's a lonely he... guy. I think people <laughs> don't want to talk to him because he's an asshole. And I'm I'm willing to talk to him, but I'm going to call him an asshole to his face, but I'll still talk to him, you know. Yeah. And, I mean, I would love to talk to the guy, but I just I just think he's misguided, and I don't think he listens very well to people. And I think he's just on one thing. And you got to at least have one positive thing to say, you know, and he never does. Well, and the thing is, even even if uh, even if what you're doing forces you to be in conflict with someone, uh, as far as your position goes, you you don't right. have to approach it as you're such a fucking moron. No, for I, being positive. And happy. Why do you feel the way you feel? Like, I want to know why he He will not answer a question. He's not being honest with himself. That's the problem. Well, he doesn't have a a robust enough self-image to go, I was wrong about that, and that's okay. I will now be right about that. And even more powerful than I was before. <laughs> I, I don't know well, about I all that, but I think he wants guy. to be right. Right. So you know, I, that's what I think. But I think he could probably be a cool guy. Like, like if you were hanging out with him or something, like, you know, you may or may I not. I don't know. I, I was thinking that he probably works for like NASA or something for all I know. He's like a fucking rocket scientist. Right. But, but you know, he doesn't have any friends or something. Maybe I don't, I don't, you know, I'm. I can't make these assumptions, but good. that's what it comes down to. I think he knows a lot of stuff, but I just think he's he's not able to like actually be a human. And Are we at the point where somebody's gonna well, call well, him a hold fed? Hold on, hold on, hold on. So no, I would actually okay. say that he's moving in the direction of human contact. So it's very clear from the way that he the the way that he approaches all of this that what he's accustomed to is putting a block of text in front of a person. Like that's that's just his his uh, oh. his native method of communication. It's very clear from the way that he approaches all of these situations. So this is actually a movement in the direction of human contact. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, I'd well, be no, struggling. It, that, no, it makes sense to think about like he's a kind of person that's kind of. Re- I think he's trying to reach out to people. That's that's what I was saying earlier. Like I think he's lonely and he's trying to reach out to people. And actually, I can tell that he's getting a little bit of civility in his conversations, but he still, he just doesn't grasp it completely, but he he wants it though. There's something, there's something there, you know, like I don't, I'm, I'm not going to give up on the guy, you know, I'll still bust his balls, but you know, I'm not going to give up on him. Oh, like, you're going to show him what? Some compassion, <laughs> some forgiveness perhaps yeah, even. Man. Right. I'm compassionate to the guy. Like, because well, give him an opportunity hey, for redemption. Wow. Yeah, How human I of know, you. <laughs> hey, I think he's gotten right decent in ways, you know, but, but he's still the same Skeeter, you know, <laughs> that fucking Andrew well, guy. He seems kind of decent. Right. Well, yeah, at least well, he, right the, now. The thing is, <laughs> 
Shit can change, man. I'm, I've seen I'm it. Like yeah. I mean, you never know. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I think that when you well, hear people talking about so. about freedom and principles, then it irritates the part of you that is in contrast to that. Especially if the people talking about it seem to make any kind of sense. It just irritates the part of you that, like, is in contrast to anything that is consistent. So at some point, that's either going to drive you away or toward. So I think he's, oddly enough, sort of uh, buffing off the burrs in the flaws of his philosophy. It's not a pleasant process. He's trying to do, I think he is like, I think he actually thinks about the conversations more than anybody else does. Nobody else cares. But I think he stews on it for like days at a time. And I think he's always constantly trying to, you know, come at it with a more, um, like you say, without the burrs on it or whatever, you know. He's 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 trying yeah, to refine. He's rough he's around the to, edges. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to refine his yeah. And I and I can tell he's doing that, but he's still he's still stuck on the same stuff. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Yeah, and it, he doesn't see the parts that he's stuck on. I mean, like I it, when yeah. it comes to statism anyway, like it took me 38 years. Right. So prior to that, like I was just in the fog, man, another drone. You know, if anything, I leaned constitutionalist because, you know, I was brought up in biblical families and they just always pointed towards the magic book. Right. Oh, what does the magic book say you should do? And so then, of course, it's like, well, what does the magic parchment say we should do? Right. And so it was easy (laughs) to have that that knee jerk reaction. Let's look at this document and what does it tell us? Right. No, we need to follow those rules because a bunch of old guys wrote them down. <laughs> it's like literally why we believe that, like a bunch of old guys wrote them down. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're bad ideas. They're some pretty good ideas in there, but uh, not good enough. Well, that, but that's what I'm saying. You gotta, you can't just take everything from one philosophy. You gotta take a little bit from this, a little bit from that. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you, but you, you have to, you, are, you, you know have it. to really deeply consider the the assumptions of different philosophies and see where they're accurate and see where they're not. Yeah, but it takes a while to to like uh, come out of the fog. And some people never come out, right? Some people come out younger, some people come out older. Um but like getting out getting that veil lifted is very like the movie The Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have poli- it's the, the the Wizard of Oz. These memes are true uh, and meaningful to voluntarists because well, they're true. Uh and so once you escape it, how do you see it as a wizard of Oz? The pulling back of the curtain, hmm. the dog that pulls back the curtain and reveals oh, the wizard, right. the, 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 the guy at the controls, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's okay. piloting the thing. Yeah. 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 Don't look behind the curtain. Right. Yeah. You, that, you don't want to do pay that. no attention to the man behind the curtain. Uh, yeah. Right. Cause then you'll know that it's just a little man that. <laughs> you could do everything he's doing. He's just pulling yeah. the. He's literally pulling the strings. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just a little man uh, with a bunch of buttons to push. <laughs> yeah, huh. Nice metaphor. But, no, I, but that's why I say, like with Skeeter, like or Scooter, whatever he is, Bill, Skyler, whatever name he is, yeah, Skyler, yeah. But that's that's why I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not ever going to give up on somebody because. He's reaching out because he he's 
the thing is, he wouldn't reach out if he was if he if he really believed what he was saying, then he wouldn't be reaching out. Yeah. He's reaching out because he's trying to he's trying to find answers for himself. So that's how I feel about it. Like I think he's really he's searching, man. He's searching. And he's almost there. Maybe. But he's just Maybe. I don't know what, but I don't know what he's searching for, though. But you know, you know? to to whatever extent, uh, you know, it influences other people, right? Uh, what we say to yeah, him influences him, him, and then he goes out and influences you know other people around him. We do the same, right? Anybody who listens to this show has the same. You know, you've heard all of this, and so you're going to go out and interact in the world in a slightly different way than you did before you heard all of this, right? Based on your opinion yeah, of all the things we've I, talked about. I've kind of been ostracized from like my family and friends and stuff because I have a different way of looking at the world, you know, and they, you know, they yeah. just, yeah. they don't want to, they don't want to believe because the thing is they sit there and preach it, but they don't want to practice what they preach. <laughs> and I'm trying to actually practice what yeah. I preach. Right. And then I got villainized for it. Yeah. It's like, Hey, uh, I'm sorry that your way is wrong. <laughs> But I found a better way. It's over here, uh, and everybody's like, "Yeah." Well, I, so one of the things that I think really motivates uh, Skyler is that he wants there to be something that reality tells him is good, and the truth is, goodness is actually a thing that you give to reality. You determine what is valued. And that is a tremendous mm. responsibility. You feel it, like, in your soul. Like, that's yeah. the thing. He, there's something he's missing out on, and I feel bad for him, man. I really do. Because I think he's... And what he's... I, it's I, Wizard I, of Oz again. What he's looking for, I think, is courage. Because it takes tremendous courage to face the fact that you are actually the origin of value. And that there's this thing yeah. that you can't help but create that is real. Hmm. Yeah, and 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 that that's what I think he's missing out on. It's he, he's he's like saying, well, what about this? What about that? Well, that's where the human comes in, and that's what he's he's missing out on the human aspect of things. That reminds me of he's kind uh, of like in this robotic state of mind, like yeah. That reminds me of this like life hack, if you will, for lack of a better term, pro tip, a thing that I try to do from time to time. Uh, you know, if I'm feeling like. Yeah, uh, man, things suck right now or something like that, you know. Uh, the way I get out of that is I just go out and uh, I, you know, try to do a random act of kindness somewhere, somehow, something, right? Just go out, mingle amongst people, uh, see somebody that needs help, offer the help, help them, and then, you know, move on, go about your the rest of your day. Uh, giving uh, triggers something in, in my life, and, and I'm not sure, you know, it's like magic in a way. Right, but it's yeah, I think it's the magic of the market. There's something that I think human capital that we all carry with us, right? That other people value uh, the aid and assistance of other human beings from time to time. Uh, we all need each other, is what I'm saying. And so, if you go about you know in your day to day life, and, in, and you know you're, you're feeling you know weird about yourself, or you're a little down, or whatever, uh, go out and and start giving, give a little more, right? Volunteer somewhere, you know. Uh, uh, you know, join an organization that, you know, does something charitable, uh, just even maybe give some money to a charitable organization like that in and of itself, just a, an act of kindness 
well, putting it out there does reap rewards. I actually got to a point in my life where, because I've always kind of been the kind of part, people, some somehow I'm like a magnet. Like that one person <laughs> somehow in the group, they're going to just come to me, that one guy, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I got to a point, man, where I've, uh, I, I got real bitter about, like, being targeted by homeless people mm -hmm. because I'm telling you, it's like I could be in a group of 20 people and it's going to be me that that one guy is going to come and harass or whatever. And I started thinking about it recently and I'm like, you know what? I'm not, if somebody approaches me because I'm, 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 I'm one bad week away from being out on the street myself, you know, like I'm not any better than a homeless person. I'll, I don't have any problems with anybody, yeah. but there's something about people think I'm doing better than them. I'm like, I'm not doing better than you, you know, like, but, uh, I've gotten aware now, you know, I, if somebody approaches me, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm trying to get better about actually talking to that person and just, and, and then being honest with them. Like I didn't, I don't, I don't have anything to give you, yeah. you know? Instead of just being like, fuck you or whatever, yeah. because I'm not really that kind of person, but I kind of got, well, I kind of got that way at one point in my life and I don't want to be that way. Well, you, you, know? you called it uh, a random act of kindness, right? Yeah. So kind, uh, it comes from the same word as it's, it's kin, right? So the word is to treat someone as if they were kin. Yes. So. And you touched on the on this way early on that uh, who your blood relatives are may or may not be your family. Right. And really it right. comes down yeah. to do they treat you like family? Do they treat you no. with kindness? For That's your family. <laughs> I've actually made the joke like and, when people say, like, we treat you like family at this business. I'm like, well, I definitely don't want to do business. Wasn't that, because wasn't that the like Olive family, Garden's fucking well, slogan? If you're here, you're family. Yeah, Olive oh, Garden. Yeah. I don't want that. No, I don't you want that. You mean you're going to ask me to do the dishes? Damn it. <laughs> I got enough funerals to go to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but what were you saying? Well, yeah, about... the, the idea of, uh, it, it's to treat someone as if they were family, mm. you know, like as if okay. they were close kin to you, as if their happiness and well being was a part of your own. Well, and you know, you, I think, I think we all get like this idea that, you know, when a random person approaches you you need to be aware of them. Like, they might do you harm, you know? Yeah, yeah. But really. Well, and, and now think, think about, about it for a second. Like, if your cousin says, hey, I, I'm, I really need some money, yeah, you'd, you'd say, you know what? I, I don't have any to give you. You'd treat him like an equal. But, right. yeah, it is worth being aware that humans are the most dangerous thing you're going to encounter. Yeah. We, we are Earth's super, uh, super predator. But one thing I have to consider is, you know what, the fact that this man, because I don't want to go to a stranger and ask for money. The fact that some man has humbled himself in some kind of way, even if it is for like, maybe he's just a hustler or whatever. But, yeah. you know, there there is this thing of like, well, okay, 
maybe I think I think he's a danger to me, but what kind of danger am I to him, you know? Right, right. And he's a close to me, so it's kind of a two-way street in a way, you know? So I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing. I'm trying to change my, well, I, my I, mindset I, on things where – you know, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not going to sit there and be like, I feel threatened, you know, like somebody talks to me. Okay. What, what do you, what do you need? Are you okay? So it you sounds know, to I, me like you I live don't... in a city, man, if you're getting approached by homeless people all the time. Well, I lived in Seattle for five years and, uh, captain knows all about that. I sure do. Uh, the, your, your magnet analogy is like, I'm like, yep, I know what that's like. <laughs> Because I don't stick out in a big city at all. No, I, I don't either. But you no, know I what? totally when do. You, I, I'm like a fucking sore thumb. White guy in Seattle, like you're gonna get approached. <laughs> I stick out in this town, man. There's there's fucking people. Like uh, I'll go to I'll go to like a restaurant or something, and uh, I had a, a wait person uh, ask, uh, like, "Hey, uh, I noticed you always pay in cash." Uh, we usually learn our customers' names by looking at their debit cards. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's a, what a weird thing to say, but that's probably true, mm-hmm. right? You know, she's like, so what? Do, what? What do people call you? What's your name? I'm like, everybody just calls me Captain, right? And so, you know, the story continues. But my point is, is that like, that is how like automated and revealing the world is. That I'm the oddball now, the guy who pays cash at the restaurant. You know, uh, is yeah. like that guy always pays cash. What a weirdo! Right, right. <laughs> like <laughs> in a small fucking town, no less. Right. I would think there'd be in New Hampshire of all places. I would not be like sort of the lone cash buying all the time guy, and I'm probably not. But like the fact that I was asked about it was like, I'm like, oh, we've gotten to that point in today's world, have we? You know. No, that's how, that's how I am, man. Because I I, I, I reupholster furniture. That's what I do for a living. And I'm cash and check. And I'll I'll still take a check. And I know that's probably not the best way to go. But yeah. you know, I just don't do well, I don't do all the. Might not be the best way to go because the best way would be cryptocurrency. <laughs> yeah, but the people that do business with me, they they just do like. You know the yeah. like cash app and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. They, yeah. They who uses checks, things, right? You know, huh? Who uses checks, right? There's still a few I mean, like little old ladies at the grocery you. store from time to time, man. You get it's behind me, you're like, the ah, people that do, Hey, the people that do business with me, they still have checkbooks. <laughs> oh, I have a checkbook. It's only because the fucking the government won't accept a, a debit card. <laughs> that's right uh, i have to i have to pay like i could go into like the you office your wildly or whatever, modern like, future tech yeah like a debit card <laughs> like jesus christ and it's like the fucking water bill or something right uh, and it's like oh you know they don't or, or they do but they don't take the one that i have now like they somehow they take like american express and diners club Wow. But not Visa yeah. or MasterCard or something I, something I, crazy I like that. <laughs> Talk to me when Visa's so, been around for a sudden. So like, like, I lived in Seattle for 22 years. I moved out here, and I'm like, fuck, I got to get a checkbook again? Fuck. You know? It's only for the one goddamn thing. Yeah, one How check. Did you ever go to the Bay Monster out in Seattle? Uh, that's right down the street from, uh, what, Murphy's Pub? 
I don't know what Mur- I don't know where Murphy's. Yeah, the was. sea monsters got the big old like purple looking octopus thing on it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's right down the street. I, I used to go there a lot when I was in Seattle, man. They do a lot of good like jazz stuff. And uh, what is it, the Owl and Thistle? Oh yeah, yeah. I never that got to play the Owl and Thistle. That was a stage I was wanted to play, but they never did metal there. Or if they did, I was never invited. No, they they do like jazz stuff, but they do this psychedelic jazz out there in Seattle. Yeah. That that was one thing like people don't understand. Like, yeah, they're not like I'm from Tennessee, you know, so whole different music experience down here but when i was living out in seattle like there was this whole like psychedelic jazz scene that was like really cool and uh i i I saw a lot of cool music you know just random people like man there's a lot of good musicians around you know um yeah seattle certainly uh is one of the mm, one of the few places on planet earth that i think like you know, if you grew up in the United States, uh, if you were to live there and you were a fan of any kind of music, you could probably find it on any given night. You know, if you want to see a metal band and it's Tuesday, you could probably fucking find it. You know, you want to see psychedelic jazz on, you know, Wednesday, you could probably fucking find it. You know, yeah, you want to see some grunge on Thursday, you could probably find it. You want to see some rock on Saturday, you could probably fucking, find, you know what I mean? Like, you want some country, well, go know, see that on Sunday. You know, they, like they yeah, have it, it's there. What's funny is where I'm from in Tennessee, they call it rockabilly. You've heard of rockabilly before. Yeah, right? but I prefer, uh, I prefer a slightly uh, more up tempo version of that called punkabilly. Mm. Okay, but Carl, Carl Perkins was hey, that's the guy that like did the rockabilly, mm. and uh, I was out in Seattle, and th- there were random bands I would go see, and I'm like, "You're, you're playing rockabilly," and they didn't even <laughs> know what they were playing, oh, and I'm like, yeah. "Go listen to you know Carl Perkins and Elvis and stuff like that," you know, and and uh, uh, the youngsters yeah. don't know their musical history. Get off my lawn. Uh, it no it's true you i mean like to them music history is like metallica right they're the old band i was like you're this is rockabilly what's that i'm like classical rock and roll classical metal classic metal yeah right yeah Yeah. I, i lived in seattle from uh 2015 to uh 2020 and uh, when the COVID stuff happened and, uh, like, the BLM stuff, like, I I, I didn't want to stay out there. I was yeah. uh, renting uh, a house, and uh, they were supposed to let me go month to month. Mm-hmm. And then when all that shit happened, they're like, no, nah, we want you to sign another year lease. Yeah, lock that in. I, I get it. And I went out on the road, and I, was, I car camped for, like, six months and came back to Tennessee. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a reason that I moved out here. Literally, I was able to arbitrage, uh, you know, my my cost of living. So that is to say I, I earned a Seattle wage working for a, uh, you know, a, a telephony provider. Uh, and then I was able to be granted the privilege that I had to earn, by the way, of working from home. And so, uh, you know, I, I moved out here immediately because now I can earn that same wage, but my cost of living is far less. 
than it than it was out well, there. Well, and I've actually been up to New Hampshire. I've camped in the White Mountains and stuff. And, yeah, and uh, and I I mean I love it up there. It, I, it's it's real similar to Tennessee. They've got you know cold cold winters and hot summers. You know, and I mean I'm I'm pretty used to the climate, and I've thought about moving up there, um, but I just hadn't. I just hadn't taken the plan. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I'm saying is you have to have a plan and, and execute it. Like, th- some people will hear about the Free State Project and, like, drop everything and come out here and, like, you know, it'll work out for them. But some people it doesn't work out for. And, and well, they, they, they get bitter and, you know, they didn't have a plan. They get bitter. And so all I'm saying is, like, have a plan. But I I feel blessed because I was able to take advantage of this difference between my paycheck and what it could buy for the next, you know, three years or something, two years maybe. I moved out here in 2019. COVID kicked off in 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it wasn't a very long period of time. At, at, at most two years before the, the, the price of the real estate here skyrocketed and rents doubled and all that kind of shit. Now, it's still far lower compared to Seattle. Right, so that same arbitrage exists, but there was just this sweet window of time that I feel blessed to have come here in, where like you know the money, the the difference between the wage and the cost of living was so great that I was able to better my life. Well, and you know, like with me, I've got a lot of skills, man, and I feel like I could go anywhere and I can find a job and I can make anything work, you know. So it doesn't have anything to do with like. It's not like that kind of like, you know, I'm, I I feel like if I moved out there, I could make it work, you know. Yeah. Um, I've just had a lot of stuff going on in my life where I just hadn't like taken that plunge, you know, where I just don't feel comfortable enough to just, because I've been, mo- I have been moving around. That's my issue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's something to be said too about like the desire to roam. You know what I mean? That That is an, an instinctual thing, right? Uh, just because yeah. we have cities and towns and addresses all over everything doesn't mean that, uh, you know, some people might prefer wandering. You know, not all who wander are lost, I believe is how the phrase goes. And uh, some people would actually prefer uh, sort of a migratory lifestyle. You know, they'll spend a, a bit of time up in the north, a bit of time in the south, a bit of time in the west, a bit of time in the east. And then rinse and repeat, you know? Well, my thing is at this point, okay, so I turned 37 this year. And so I'm I'm ready to kind of start, you know, getting a little bit of stability in my life. Yeah. And, that, that, you know, that's what I'm looking for because, I mean. Well, I'm don't look for it. Build it, right? You, yeah. you have to build your own stability. Um, yeah. Right. That's... And that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm trying to figure out where I want to be, you know. Um. Yeah, no, I'm not lost at all. Like I know exactly what I'm looking for. Well, um, I, nice. I I'll tell you uh, where I tend to want to be is where I can be surrounded by people that have the same values, or and, at least similar values, yeah. like more similar than like yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, when I was in Seattle, man, like everybody was like, "Oh, that's crazy, fucking captain," right? You know. Uh, I'd go off about, you know, gold and government and cryptocurrency and, you know, all those things. The people out there, they're like, oh, we're so woke and brave and all this stuff. Yeah, and, it was pretty and, thick. And then you're the, crazy, you're the crazy guy and you're the only one making any sense, you right. know. That's how I felt when I was out there, you know. 
I didn't feel like the the people that claim to be these, you know, woken people, they're really not, you know. <laughs> they're not they're just not there. They're man. they're I, they're doing what collectives of people do, right? They they engage in this uh, collective behavior. You know, and they even do drugs and stuff. They're like, yeah, we we'll do some Molly and we're going to do some acid and we're going to do some blah, blah, blah. Well, I got no problem do. with people doing drugs. I mean, if no, that's what I you want. With that, but, but they're not using it to actually, they're not better people for it. You know, yeah, that's, that is one thing that I absolutely, I, I don't fucking get is people using like acid and mushrooms to party. I don't fucking get what for entertainment, really? Like, I mean, to each their own, but I don't get it. Like, that's that stuff is there for for exploration and for uh, self change, and to you know, use it to like, party. I just I don't get it. You know, all the times that I've tripped, I've pretty much done it alone, and that's where I get the benefit out of it. Hmm. Um, I know people who are I similar. I don't, I don't get benefit from taking acid with people. Like when I take it by myself, it's 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 a it's a medicine to me. It really is. And people, some people don't understand. Like to me, it's not a party thing to me. I I, I look at it complete. You could party with it, but I look at it completely different. I mean, and to, that, that's just not how it affects me. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do feel a very strange sense of pride as an American that we basically have decided to use mind control drugs as uh, a party uh, drug. Because, I mean, acid was used, like this is documented, was used in an attempt to make a mind controlled assassin by the CIA. Right. It's the MK Ultra program. Right. But so, it goes back to our society, how we don't like. Our society is does not go hand in hand with elevating your mind. Mm. Well, society wants to lower your mind, but then you know, as a person, you need to extend your mind, and you want to get past things that the government doesn't want you to have. Those things. Well, the the people who are trying to govern you want you to be as disempowered as possible. So all of the paths to self-empowerment they've made as difficult to access or even know about as possible. And one of those, yeah, is uh, is mind-altering substances that can give you a, a new perspective on life. Now, oddly enough, there are other methods to the same path. I mean, you can uh, go to a nice sweat lodge, and it will bring you to an altered state. Mm. There are uh, breathing exercises that can bring you to an altered state. Uh, you yoga work poses. out hard enough or take a long enough run or whatever. Right, right. Uh, basically, any kind of an extreme can bring you to an altered state, and an uh, altered state can you... give you a, a, a new perspective that brings you wisdom and self-empowerment. When you get to the point that you're only living out of your car and you have nobody to call and you're out there being homeless out of your car, that will bring you to an altered state of reality, too. Oh, it'll you certainly uh, wake you the fuck up. And I don't mean woke. I mean, like, that's a reality check. <laughs> right. Uh, that will, that's, that's like an acid trip to be homeless and 
have nowhere to go and nobody to turn to. I mean, I've done that. and It does open up your options, though, right? Now you can do really anything. Now, you probably have to do it quickly because you need to turn some some income. What's that? You can't do any worse. Yeah, right. You can't do any worse. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's nothing quite like the turning point of hitting bottom. My uh my first um my first real psychedelic experience, um I seven grams of high quality mushrooms and I ate a, an eighth first and I didn't feel anything. And then about the time I ate the second eighth, everything started coming in you know and i was like damn i i fucked my you're fucked i I told that i was like you're fucked you're fucked because you're just feeling the first eight you just ate another one you dumbass you know (laughs) but you know (laughs) i'm glad i detect a hint of regret (laughs) well i'm glad i did that because if i would have only eaten an eighth I never would have eaten more than that. You would never have seen and God. Because I accidentally ate too much. That it got me. And it I didn't changed mean me. mean to do a heroic dose. <laughs> but it turns out that was a great idea. Did you visualize <laughs> was Black Sabbath playing in your living room for you that night? <laughs> uh I went out in the backyard and I saw the moon and I, it was literally I thought I was going to take a scoop out of it, like with an ice cream scoop. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was just right there. I'm like, oh man, hey, I would, I would be, uh, I'd be standing up over the coffee table, and I, I thought I was fucking Godzilla, and then when I got <laughs> down, and then when I got down really low, I, I thought I was like a little ant. Wait, down there. why were you and fucking? Now you know how Alice in Wonderland was written. Why were you fucking oh. Godzilla? <laughs> Why was I Godzilla? Why were you fucking Godzilla? No, I didn't. Only fuck one that. that could take me. You said, no, and you I said was I was fucking Godzilla. Well, because I was. Did I misinterpret I that? You did. Oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> right. Hey, but you know what though? When you're, um, I was like, because that's a pretty strange really, trip, man. Fucking Godzilla. Do you know when you're really high on psychedelics? Um, you realize that you know, like if you have a cup sitting on the table. They don't actually touch each other. You know that, right? They're like, you got all these molecules going. Oh, yeah, at the atomic level, nothing is actually connected. They're sitting there moving around. But but the way we see it, it's like sitting still. It's a solid thing, right? Yeah. But it's not, though. Everything's always moving. Everything is mostly space. Yeah. And And nothing is still, ever. Right, yeah. It's weird because that... That's the thing is like when you're in this body, that's the only way you can actually see things for what you perceive them to be. But they're they're not really doing what you think they are. Well, like what whatever you see things as, that's actually not what it looks like. Well, it's weird because I just sort of think of myself as the pilot of this particular fucking uh, meat suit. <laughs> yeah. You are. But you know, it's that whole be the captain of yourself thing I keep telling people. Right? It's totally possible. Yeah. But yeah, I take I, I take your point that uh most of what you are 
seeing and experiencing is actually you. A small part right. of it is the the objective reality, but most of, of the it rest is of you. the world around you, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But most of it's you. So, being you, you have certain things that you qualify as obstacles or as tools, and basically, tool use is how we uh, make sense of the world. It's how we put concepts on things. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so yeah, most of what you're seeing isn't actually there. It's 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 here. It's you. It's your perceived reality. It's right. not really what it is because what it is is actually a lot of shit. Just well, right. It's a whole bunch of you know other things all interacting with each other all at the same time, kind of like a society of people, mm-hmm. right? It's, right. It's like everybody like, and so it's just a it's a microcosm. Of that, right? Uh, yeah, a, a city of people is the same thing as a bunch of atoms like working around. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah, an, they're, yeah. they're all but living they systems. Those people don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. They're just right, but that just increases the uh, argument for individualism, right? Uh, because right. if we all have a different perceived reality. Right then, we are indeed the best judges for what we think is appropriate for ourselves. Right, there's right. no one else who can judge that better than you because your perspective is unique. Yeah. Well, but that's why I want to talk to Scooter because <laughs> that's what he's that's what right, he's Scooter. missing out on is he's not understanding that what he's saying like is right in a way but it's not he's not rounding it out you know i think he's taking up a like, uh, uh, rent-free headspace for both of us no no i'm just i'm trying to use him as an example to like make a point you know mm-hmm. um i just think he's kind of he's just not connecting the dots the way he thinks he is well we will uh of course see what happens as so, the, the well, show continues. Hey, thanks, guys. Y'all are, y'all are cool, man. I enjoy the show. Fucking Andrew, I'm going to take you out. Peace, man. Thanks for calling. Fucking Andrew. Fucking Andrew. I think that's the guy that came to Forkfest. Yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should have asked him about it, but like, I was like, mm, I'm not sure. I think that's the guy, though. He came specifically for Forkfest. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I mean, like drove up or whatever. I think that's the guy. It might have been a different guy. But there was a guy there. I'm like, Tennessee, fuck, man. Oh, that guy. That's the guy. Oh, that fucking guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, at any rate, that sorry, was, that's it was interesting. That's a that's a bit of a trip, actually. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, Radio World is the real world. Fucking Andrew, right? Fuck he made Andrew. that connection, right? He, you know, or at least I think it was him. <laughs> yeah, I reckon so. Uh, he did say he listened, so, you know, we know yeah. he listens to the show. Yeah, it's the second time that Porkfest has done this to me. That's uh, what so happens. I, I, I will never forget shaking hands with Dave Smith and realizing that podcast world was the real world. <laughs> uh, Dave Smith is such a, a non-name. It, it is. <laughs> it's like... It is. It's, I mean, it, it, it could be maybe slightly more... <laughs> Uh, like vague <laughs> <laughs> comment mike smith perhaps I right? mean, might be 
more can popular it, though, than is Dave that Smith, really... but uh, I, you know, <laughs> it's pretty close. You know, if you want people to remember you, maybe change your name. I don't know. I've never met Dave Smith to my knowledge. Well, I, well, I believe I may the, have. I may have met him. I believe the full like, title is Libertarian Comedian Dave Smith. Oh, because there's. I mean, he's not literally the only one, but I mean, I need to probably talk to that guy about comedy <sighs> shit. You know? Fair point. Yeah. Well, I'll get around to that eventually. One of these days, I'll socialize more. <sighs> See, this is one of the real problems that we're facing in the world. Uh, comedy tends to come from the left. And now everyone else has to do it. And it is not our, like, go-to game. Uh, I don't know. You've seen Bill Burr? <laughs> I, yeah, looked into, I looked into getting... He an was anomaly. In, he was in fucking Star Wars. The, the um, uh, shit, what is it? Uh, the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did pretty good too. I was like, "Oh fuck, that's Bilber," and uh, yeah, he 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 did a good job. Have you seen F is for Family? No, oh, it's so fucking funny. Okay, so uh, Bilber does a whole bunch of bits about like his dad. Yeah, imagine that as a show. That's Bilber. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to go watch that. Mm-hmm. Is it animated though? That's why yes. I've never watched it. Yeah, I'm like on a bit of Fair. an anti-cartoon animation thing. I I have been since I don't know since I. I think I got interested in girls, right? It's like, <laughs> like oh, I don't need cartoons anymore. I don't need to get mm. up on Saturday morning. People are like, what do you mean you got up on Saturday morning to watch cartoons? So we laid out for you kids. Back in the day before the internet, uh, the only way you could see cartoons is to wake up early on a Saturday morning uh, and uh, turn on basically any channel on your television. There were only a handful. You didn't have many to choose from. There were between three and seven channels on any given TV. And you just had to turn one on at, you know, 6, 7 a.m. And there would be some cartoons, some Bugs Bunny, some Looney Tunes, some fucking, I don't even know, some DuckTales, something, man. And you throughout know, America. Voltron, fucking whatever. The parents would sleep and or bang. Yeah. And the children would be pacified by Saturday morning cartoons. cartoons. Right. They'd pour their own fucking bowls of cereal and shit and mm. sit themselves down in front of the old boob tube and enjoy some fucking cartoons. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, that's just how it was nowadays. Like cartoon, you could just like talk into your magic rectangle and be like cartoons and you could be fed like a 24 hour stream of like a cartoons by whatever AI is powering your device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in those days, Hasbro had power. What was Hasbro? Well, they sold little pieces of plastic. That looked like the cartoons. Yep. And those sell for a premium. Yeah, collector's items. Yeah. Yeah. And they're absolutely cheap to make. And man, they would market the hell out of them on those cartoons. And if you wanted your kid, if you wanted the kids in America to beg their parents for a thing, that was when you would advertise it. Yeah. During the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. That was definitely targeted market advertising. If you wanted somebody in the, you know, zero to 12-year-old range, Saturday morning was where it was at. Yeah. And that was how we could keep track with the pace of toy technology. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, like, was there some, like, kind of a... Do you remember Stretch Armstrong? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? You ever break one? We broke one open. Me and my cousin (laughs) did. We broke one. It was filled with some sort of weird jelly. 
Mm-hmm. You know, some some gelatinous, probably a petroleum product for sure. Mm. You know, and they're like, oh, we didn't think we could do that. Like they had the guarantee, <laughs> won't break ever. And then like, yeah, it took us a week or something to figure it out. <laughs> we broke Stretch Armstrong. Yeah. Because of course you fucking did. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. we are out of time. Uh, I want to say thanks to all of our callers, uh, all of our listeners. Thanks to you, Peakless Mountaineer. Uh We'll be Thank back. you, Captain. We'll be back next week. As usual, I'm going to take you out with some music. This has been Beard Talk Live, episode 46. <laughs> Michelle fight for that white gold This one for them hood girls Them good girls, straight masterpieces Styling, violin Living it up in the city Got chucks on with Saint Laurent Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty I'm too hot Call the police and the fireman I'm too hot Make a dragon wanna retire Man, I'm too hot Say my name, you know
Just watch. Don't believe me, just watch. Don't believe me, just watch. Don't believe me, just watch. 